Welcome to episode 220 of the Overlook Hour. I'm your host, Clark Little. Along with me, as always, is the man over there on the other side of the bay, Randy Michaelstead. That's me, Jim Randy, here, Oakland, California. Jim Randy is back. Now, we didn't bring back the segment because I'm lazy, but... Randy, you've been, you've been doing some uh, running. You got some uh, cardio in these days. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I forget. I think I've ran about 13 miles so far this month. Did, did you Iraq? <laughs> I did. I ran so far away, though. Thank you. I ran as a country in Iraq. Oksana, how you doing? <laughs> Oksana Valerio, about Osachi. Hi. How are you doing today on this Sunday? On this beautiful day outside. Yesterday, cold. Rainy, dreary. Today, little warmer. Beautiful sunshine. Birds. I prefer yesterday. She <laughs> <laughs> did. Yeah, I live with two sad sack emo people, man. Oh, the rain is great. Y'all love the rain and clouds. Give me the sunshine, baby. That's why I moved out here to Cali. The Golden State, where it's not actually warm ever. <laughs> it's. It, Oksana, we had a cruel, cruel summer. In October. Yeah, for real. It was real. horrible. I don't know how people like the heat. For real. Now I, I bought a $300 air conditioning that I won't use for another year. <laughs> but that's fine because it got me through some horrible, horrible days. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Uh, joining us this week is Ryder. Director, producer, Nicholas Payne Santos. Nicholas joins us from his home in Brooklyn, New York, not too far from Marbles, who is dead. She's in Queens. He's in Brooklyn. Do they hang out? Probably not. Why? Mainly because Marbles is she's been it's a bummer. You know, she brings the whole mood down. That's one. And Nicholas, he's out there. He's making things happen, baby. He doesn't need to have any roadblocks in his life. Uh, Nicholas, is, um, he's got a new film out called It Cuts Deep. It's available now. Rent it. Why? A, it's good. B, we talk about it. C, we spoil it. With permission from Nick. Nick said, fine. I got no problem with it. He said, the movie's out. Let's talk about it. So we do. So check it out. Rent it. Also, Uncle Peckerhead is a movie he produced it's available on Amazon Prime. Randy talked about it a few weeks ago. It's very good. We also play a song to cue in to the interview. Why? Because we're professionals. Oksana, your thoughts? <laughs> I like the song. I don't know. <laughs> it's a very good song. Very good song. And also, I think, believe we said this off mic, but Randy, uh, yeah, Randy, you really like this movie. Uh, you really liked Uncle Peckerhead, and uh, you, you sort of... Uh, you may have opened up for bands similar to uh, some bands featured in this movie. Yeah, definitely. I was uh, I was more of in bands that sounded kind of like Duh and not the band that Russell likes, but yeah. <laughs> Were they ever named? Uh, probably, but I can't remember. I yeah, their name is on the little flyer, but I can't remember what okay. it is. It was probably very good. Oh, man, I wish I could remember. But speaking about things that are very good, so is our segment. Brought to you each and every week by Oksana Valeria Osachi <laughs> about what is coming out for VOD or limited theatrical releases this day 
because that's that's the world we occupy. Limited theatrical releases because who knows? Are theaters dead? Probably. Not yet. No. We're going to one in about an hour. The Shattuck's open now. I haven't been yet, but... No, it's at 325 or 345. Those are our two options. It's going to have to... We'll talk about it later. Okay. Because Russell told me to talk to you, but that hasn't happened yet. That's why I tried (laughs) to call you on air and you didn't answer. (laughs) I was in another room away from my phone. It was a bit on the show and yet you dropped the ball. You dropped it. Whoops. All right. What we got coming up? Not a whole lot this week, unfortunately, but... All right. Well, thanks for your time. <laughs> on the tw- Friday the 20th, um, Iron Mask comes out on VOD. It's got about 10... 10- With Leonardo DiCaprio? No, not that one. Okay. <laughs> this one has about 10 production companies associated with it. It's over two hours long. It's about a cart- cartographer who travels to China to confront the Dragon Master... Dragon Master is played by Jackie Chan. And for some reason, James Hook, who is a very stereotypical looking pirate, is played by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, hell um, yes. The reason I included this in uh, in this segment. And they they haven't joined forces since uh, 80 Days Around the World. Which I never saw. Weren't they both in that? I don't know. I may be wrong. <laughs> I think it's a sequel to um, Forbidden Kingdom. From 2014, okay. I don't know, but um, I'm super curious to see Schwarzenegger play a weird hook-looking pirate. <laughs> um, the next week on the 24th, which is a Tuesday, Train to Busan Peninsula comes out on streaming. It's been in theaters with, uh, I think, a good good reception. It has a pretty high Rotten Tomatoes score, but not a great uh, critics score on there. Um, it's about a soldier and his team who battle hordes of post-apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic zombies in the wa- wastelands of the Korean Peninsula. Um, so that's going to be coming to VOD on Tuesday the 24th. That's all our goodbye. For any questions, queries, concerns, or comments, please direct those to podcast at overlooktheater.com. Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, the other one. Find us, like us, comment, tell a friend, tell an enemy. It's not any of my business what you do on your own personal time. The Overlook Hour is available on Facebook as The Overlook Hour. The Overlook Hour is available on Instagram as The Overlook Theater. The Overlook Hour is available on Twitter as The Overlook Hour. Find us, like us, comment, tell a friend, tell an enemy. Randy. Don't forget to uh, watch the newest Mel Gibson film, Fat Man, which will be on VOD the day after this airs. Nice. Randy, did you go to the uh, Chatuk Cinema and see it? Not yet. I'm thinking about it. Maybe sometime this week. It'll be my first general population uh, movie screening. Oh, very nice. I have not... I don't think it's playing anywhere over here. Really? So, yeah. Because I, I, I give it a go. Give it a go. All right. So, uh, enjoy Nick. Enjoy the intro. And let's throw it to Creepy Clark. See you next week. The economy, the election, my ex-girlfriend is banging on my door. I killed her three years ago. 
I don't need this kind of aggravation. Russ, what do you think? Do you like that? Do you like the suspense? <laughs> do you, do, what do you think of my affectation? I decided to get a little more creative this week. Um, I, I appreciated the insight. Kind of felt like it. This kind of felt like a monologue. <laughs> it kind of Frankly, did, it's better right. than anything Jimmy Kimmel's done in 25 years. Oh, I haven't watched his show in a long time. Randy, I know you're a big Kimmel head. <laughs> I haven't watched him in a couple years. Uh, big uh, David Letterman fan, though. I don't know if you've seen his new show on Netflix. Don't pivot away from Kimmel I, and bits. I was more of a Leno guy. <laughs> crazy about that <laughs> you know I do impressions <laughs> you like, well, hold on let me do my little let me do my little here we go hey you guys uh, you guys hear about this <laughs> I like dude, it dude that's it's not great oh wow what do you do you do you little then <laughs> hey you guys uh, you guys hear about this that's equally as bad <laughs> He clearly it's bad. So with this opening bit, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut loose. Also, but let me clear something up here. Yes, I do share a name with Clark, but Clark is my surname. Oh, it's my last name. Okay, what's the first name? Mark. Mark, Mark Clark. Mark, Mark Clark is my name. Mark Creepy Clark? Mark Clark was a former relief pitcher for the New York Mets. <laughs> that, that is strictly uh, coincidental. Get out of here. <laughs> okay, go Randy, I wish you would be in here so you could see them interacting together. It's better. It's uh, it's theater for the mind, man. What, am, I, am I not here anymore? Am I supposed to <laughs> I'm go? waiting. Okay, no. all right. I'm out. Okay. Yeah, no, it's it's a sight to see when these two are interacting. <laughs> We're getting better. <laughs> We're getting better. We we have a uh I'm I'm happy I tricked you into watching a show with me that we can talk about later that has a similar uh premise. We we traded shows this week, did we not? Yeah, oh we did. Yeah, yeah. that's a yeah, And I think weird. I think they succeeded on both ends. Yeah. I I was surprised. I didn't think you'd be down. No. And I, you, I know we're going to say this towards your end of the thing, but I am interested to see what Randy Michael Stat would think of the show that you brought to the table. Because Randy, as he said, his favorite television show of all time is The Twilight Zone. Oh yeah, and Indeed. this is not dissimilar. Yeah, it's it's very different tonally. Yeah, and I think I think The Twilight Zone is big on. Uh, morality tales yeah yeah whereas your show maybe not so much no it's it's kind of more of a straight to the point tales from the crypt mm -hmm. and uh with with good special effects i'm bummed out last week we recorded on a weekday and i had a bunch of shit to talk about it and i just didn't and i went downstairs and i put the show on i went oh fuck i didn't even mention this up there so yeah we'll redeem and uh as a teaser the residents did the theme song so well, we we <laughs> cannot confirm nor deny that because the residents um, also maybe one of the members of the residents is dead. Oh, because I was trying to look this up, and there was a longtime contributor to the residents, which they eulogized. Oh, and he may have been a member of the residents. Did he have a top hat? <laughs> he was, he was a giant eyeball. eyeball. <laughs> yeah. 
He was a giant eyeball. He, he might have been a member. Constantinople. Dude, good tease there. But dude, you listen to that theme song, and if you have any sort of ta- any tangential uh, idea of who the residents are, you immediately make that association. For sure. And I, I got it queued up, so later I'll, I'll play a bit. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, all right, Russ, kick us off with- You got uh, no food? You didn't want to talk about your plate of brownies or anything? I mean, look, I make brownies <laughs> on most weekends. Uh, I It's the uh, Ghirardelli Dark Chocolate, uh, straight out of the box. Randy, I highly recommend it. Now, Randy, I will tell you that our <laughs> oven runs a little hot. I, I'm working on uh, constructing a letter to send to the Whirlpool- <laughs> A corporation to let them know also for Christmas. My mother asked me what I wanted for Christmas. Yes, I'm 34 years old, but yes, until I'm 94, she's <laughs> going to be asking me what I want for Christmas. You can't deny her the joy of giving her baby boy Christmas presents. I've just, is your mother the same way? Like, uh, do yeah. y'all deal with that too? Yeah. My sister, though, she'll just give her a literal list. It's like, here, pick some things off there. Yeah. I, I can't ever come up with shit, though. I know. I'm just like, just give me more socks. I don't, I don't like socks. <laughs> But um, so I'm I'm actually getting a little uh, thermostat for the oven where you can take a accurate temperature of the oven. Oh, yeah. really? Is, is it not accurate? I think it, I think it runs hot. I think our oven runs hot. All so right. um, because I have to bake those brownies at 27 minutes to get that fudgy. Also, <laughs> <laughs> I took a picture of Clark's food. I'll I'll be sure to tweet that out. On his right side, he has a big glass of water. It's a carafe. It's a, what is that actually made for? It's a French press coffee carafe. <laughs> that you use a cup. And yeah. on your left side, we have a uh, orange soda and a koozie. We have a plate of abandoned brownie and a bag of half-eaten candy corn. <laughs> it's uh, the meal of champions, I would say. I have to do stuff while I'm doing stuff. I get it. I, know. I can't just do one thing. Yeah. I have to have things. Yeah, I think that means you need to work out. That's where I've possibly, come to. but no, I mean, I always have to have something to drink. Oh, yeah, I'm not like that. My, because uh, my voice will lock up. I've got to stay lubricated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. When when I'm watching a movie, I do. That's when I bite my nails, and I haven't oh, been now. Look yeah. at how weird it looks when they grow out. Dude, I, I bite, I bite and pick my nails. Oh, you do? Okay, yeah. yeah. That's like my. I'm not doing anything, and I'm like. Yeah, it, it's anxious. Brandon, are you so. a nail biter? No, never been. You're missing out. Are you an ankle biter? <laughs> I'm biting my tongue right now. Oh, <laughs> noise. Hell yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> also, oh, yeah. heads up. We've got a new controller of the soundboard, baby. You're looking for something to play. <laughs> yeah, I got fired. After last week, Clark was like, uh, give it to me. And I, I said, okay. Yeah. And now Clark's running shit. That's too long. Yeah. So, yeah, if you hit it again, it will just hard stop. Gotcha. I, I did this. And you can I also did. layer things. Not that I'm saying you should. Yeah. But be careful. Like if you go to play another Look, clip. I'm like, glad this is happening. Uh, I'm more than happy to take the responsibilities and take this show to a new level. <laughs> Um, so, uh, please join me in our ascension to greatness. So I just replayed the same clip. <laughs> yeah. Thank right. you to Cobra for that too. Yes. Also, if you're not up on Cobra, he has not moved out of his house yet, but Reddit's been fire with the fan art. 
Somebody made a poster that I'm considering going to Kinko's and printing out. It is, you know what? I'm just going to show you. I can't, okay. I'll throw it. Please remind me to add. I know I tease um, visual shit a lot. And if it's a video, it's all up on the Overlook Theater. Yes. Like I do the show notes. But if it's a picture, I don't really have a tab to represent that I need to pull it. Mm-hmm. So like with this one, please remind me. Here we go. Because it is uh, it is worth it. Here, let me turn the brightness up on my phone. Dude. Whoa. Yeah, it's not the usual kind of Cobra fan art. They actually made him look like he is legitimate. It makes him look like a human. I uh, Yeah, like, yeah. That's crazy. It's fucking insane. I think I'm going to print it out and put it up here. Um. Shit. Well, now that you played the fucking morning zoo intro thing twice, I don't know if you should. You know what? Fuck it. Do it. You know what, Russ, for that? I am very, very (laughs) sorry. And I beg for your forgiveness. Yeah. Tom Brennan uh, is a name I know now because of that clip. And what? He's unemployed. We should try and get him to do our show. Last I heard, he was uh, suspended for his actions. Oh, okay. That's not too bad. But if we know anything about employment, that is uh, how it works. Yeah. And yeah. The suspension before the fire is the hand job before the intercourse. Oh, I like that. Thank you. So Good much. job. You play. Yeah. Again. <laughs> All right. Now, now that, now that you're in control of the soundboard, you gotta, if you have anything you want, let me know. Like if you need an exclamation point or oh, like, I'll tell you what I want. What I really, really want. Thank you so much. Okay. Um, you want to go ahead and play that riff again as the intro to the show and then go right into clip one as the, for this, this week I've only got news and we're going to shoot through it. Okay. Randy's got a hard out. He's got a hot date. So we're going to make this uh, hot date with the G parents <laughs> with the G he's got a, a, a G coot. Wait, what do they call it? What do you call a grandparent cougar? A gilf, a gilf. There we go. <laughs> or a saber toothed tiger or something. Oh. I'm sure there's something <laughs> snow leopard. Yeah, so go uh, go theme song into clip one right after. What what theme song? That's the the guitar riff you're playing. It was supposed to be the uh, morning zoo opening. Oh, so uh, okay, go that when it's done. Go clip one and clip one. If you have any information on Bigfoot's whereabouts, you're asked to call um, the Santa Cruz County Sheriff's Office or four seven one eleven twenty one. That's a real news clip. <laughs> Yikes. That's your favorite place to do stand-up, uh, Santa Cruz. Oh, Hell yeah. So if you've seen the Bigfoot, worst place. I believe by their description, he's four feet tall and weighs about 280 pounds. So me? <laughs> <laughs> They're looking for you. I know. And um, yeah, and I hate to spoil it. God, that's 100 pounds a foot. <laughs> That's rough. That's a big foot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, and yes, that is real. The sheriff's department is really looking for Bigfoot. Um, Why? Is he fucking shit up down uh, there? Antifa's uh, changing up their tactics and they just stole him because we are talking about a statue that somebody pulled up, cut. They there was It was chained to a pole. They cut the wiring and just, I guess, threw it in the back of a pickup or something. And yeah, he's gone. So now the sheriff's department is looking for him. Also, another uh, favorite thing Clark loves that I do. Martyr made his back. And that last Jim Jones episode is eight hours long, I believe. Six or eight hours long. The whole series is like 15. Fucking so good. And uh, I'm tying this in because at the very end, he's talking about people. uh, 
in Santa Cruz. There was a dude who uh, did some bombings out here in San Francisco. Yeah. Drug dealer. Uh, I'm just going to give you the bridge notes on this one. Uh, he made his girlfriend kneel on their lawn, put a knife in her mouth, and then with his right hand, overhead swung an axe down on her skull, almost split it in half, took a, a scalpel, removed gray matter from her brain, the parts that he thought were magic, got in a car, drove down towards Pacifica, picked up a hitchhiker who was there with his girlfriend, left the, he drove off so quick that he left the girlfriend on the side of the road. While in Pacifica was detained and uh, at gunpoint, he raised his hands up and he had a brown paper bag with her brain in it. Yeah. Also, um, coyotes were a problem in, where he lived in Santa Cruz and he referred to them as demon dogs. Demon dog. Yeah. And I know, I just, I know how you love Santa Cruz. So I'm very excited. Santa Cruz to is c- the worst. <laughs> Have you and frankly, is everything that you just described me sounds like it could be any citizen from Santa Cruz, California. Yeah, I, the cesspool. When, it, when now, having said that, I don't mind when I'm there. I like the area. It's a cool area. The people are garbage people. <laughs> you were Pitt Clark in and Santa if, Cruz, and if you are, I was Pitt Clark was born in Santa Cruz. Jinko Gino was born in Santa Cruz. Gino Jinko was born in Santa Cruz. Oh, I, I got his name wrong. It takes, um, I mean, well, look, with anything, Russell, I know you know this, as we've been doing this show for four years, but great art is born out of um, tragedy and pain (laughs) and uh, terrible situations. And I think there's great art coming out of Santa Cruz, California. uh, When I first met you, my my favorite stories you would tell are your... uh, experiences doing stand-up in santa cruz randy did you ever did you ever gig in santa cruz a couple times yeah there's a place called the 418 project played there several times but is that santa cruz proper or are we talking the outskirts uh no i think it's downtown santa cruz okay i see i I like downtown santa cruz like if you told me clark let's go to santa cruz i would probably go it is a cool yeah The people are fucking garbage people. They're kind of like SoCal. They're hippies with impeccable credit. (laughs) It makes no sense. And they have, I I, honestly, I mean, ultimately, I think it's an inferiority complex with a lot of people down there. uh, Because anytime that I would do comedy down there, I would be introed as a comic uh, from the city. Oh. And then that's, that's a red flag, man. Weird. immediately and like i did a gig at this family restaurant in socal which is spelled soquel okay oh uh, yeah and is very close to with a um, q yes <laughs> i think it's s-o-q-u-e-l no i hate it and so i said soquel because i don't know yeah <laughs> what this shitty town's name is with these stupid people and uh they hated me and the um the owner of the restaurant pulled me. I don't even remember. I honestly cannot pull the joke that I had, but like before the set, they said, you know, this is a family establishment. So no blue material. Oh. I said, not a problem. Cause most of my act uh, was fine. If I, yeah. if I, I had one uh, bit about prison rape and that <laughs> if I get rid of the prison rape bit, I'm fine. And then after she was like, uh, that was inappropriate. Uh, this is a family establishment. And I, I honestly, as I, I don't even know what you're talking about. The guy after me talked about eating pussy for five <laughs> minutes and she was laughing because he was a regular. And I was like, fuck uh, all of you. Oh. You know how much I got paid for that? How much? 
it's more insulting than nothing. One dollar. One dollar? One dollar. Well, dude, that's worse than Uncle Peckerhead. One dollar. <laughs> dude, they got three dollars on there. Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, between the band, they all got that's, a dollar. That's more insulting than giving me nothing. Did she, is it cash? Or did she write you a check? <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> I wish it was a check. I really wish it was Let's a put check. Put that up on the wall. Okay. All right. Uh, our next bit, though, uh, it's actually not a bit. This is very real. Uh, remember when we were talking about Rick Moranis? You got yes. the conservative puppet there? Oh, uh, yeah. You, you don't have to find it. Did you find I'm it? I'm joining the conservative <laughs> puppet. Tuck and roll. Yeah. So when he covered it, um, you know, a gentleman punched Rick Moranis. Uh, he's been arrested. They found him somehow. Mm. And I think it's because we're living in a big brother world and all these cameras everywhere. But he's been detained. Look, man, when you when you hit the man who shrunk the kids, <laughs> the law's coming down on you. And then uh, we got um, more Alex Trebek news. Have you heard the new uh, hubbub about that? No. The internet is pushing for a new host. Oh, yeah. Who who was it that I said? That There's I been heard? a few thrown Leonard out. Leonard Grass Tyson. Was one of them. Okay. But the one that everybody wants, LeVar Burton. And He's I, a pedophile. <laughs> is he? That's not true. I have heard, I've heard LeVar Burton. Really? I wouldn't hate that. I wouldn't either. I think that'd be great. I mean, look, you know, you know why it's smart is because reading Rainbow uh-huh. was a big thing for a lot of people. Yeah. Me included. And Alex Trebek was a big thing for a lot of people. Yeah. I think it's a clear transition. Who has who has had anything negative to say about LeVar Burton? Exactly. Plus he, you know, he was on a um hard science TV show. Yeah. Star Trek. I think I think it I think it'd be a solid He's a uh, non confrontational, like male figure, good looking dude, intelligent. I think it's perfect. I would I, love it. I would I would I would lean more towards LeVar Burton over Neil deGrasse Tyson. Me too. Nothing against Neil deGrasse Tyson, who was recently on Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast. Really? Who was uh, great. Oh that yeah, that sounds interesting. Yeah. Um and then, you know, since I was gonna do kind of like hacky news stuff, like, oh, did you guys hear about what Twitter's talking about? I'd be amiss if I didn't touch on uh, the Baby Yoda controversy. Oh, Randy. Do <laughs> you guys hear about this? <laughs> no, no idea. <laughs> But you haven't heard about it? No, baby, baby Yoda. Everyone loves him. That's not surprising because it's not fucking real. And oh, but here's Randy, the thing: uh, the worm has turned on baby Yoda. So here's the thing: if you what Google is this Doom? <laughs> Damn, that was tight. Um, it's Twitter. You know, uh, journalism's dead, and a lot of people will go on Twitter and say like, "What are they yelling about now?" And then publish that. And by publish, I mean on the internet because magazines are they're not a thing anymore, and. Uh, they kind of try to make it like a controversy. So there are some people online who are upset that Yoda was eating eggs. Spoiler alert. I mean, how fucking dumb does that sound? And they're like, oh, it's genocide. And why would Yoda do that? It's so like, essentially, Randy, um, in the second episode of the second season. Wait, Randy, the- you haven't seen it? I have not seen one minute of The Mandalorian. Oh, you're fucking up, dude. You're it's truly really missing good. out. It's, it's good. It's an incredible show. Yeah, it might be the best Star Wars thing, period. I, I really like it. Uh, frankly, like it's so good where it, it makes me like realize how much of a genius John Favreau is. Oh, okay. I'm like, dude, you've had this in you the whole time. But you know, it's also just being true to the product, like making it a Western and not shying away from it. Yeah. It's, it's like, duh. Oh, it's a hundred. It's yeah. duh. It's it, great. I actually got my dad to sit down and watch all of episode one. And I know uh, of second season. 
The first one. Okay. And it, that's a triumph because he is fucking up and down all the time. He's just like running around. He's more interested in bugging people. Doctor Who. But he loves sci-fi. And I'm like, dude, he was a big Farscape fan. I know I'm probably talking past the room right now. But Farscape. Yeah. I know it, yeah. And, um, and he got into it. And I was like, dude, this is why the show's number one. Anyway, yeah, Randy, there was a character introduced. They're a fish or a lizard. I can't even remember. Frog. A frog. There we go. And um, I, I mean, I hate to, to point out the obvious, but Baby Yoda had eaten a frog earlier on in the show, too. Mm-hmm. So I think he just hates frogs. So Baby Yoda might just be a racist. Anyway, he uh, the, the frog was trying to get to a home world to incubate her eggs, which is the last of her kind. And Baby Yoda had an ongoing bit where they were eating it. Anyway, I was trying to find whenever there's a broad topic like this and everybody's talking about it. I can usually find a weirdo that's like ranting about it. Like this is their moment to shine on YouTube. There's a lot of garbage out there. However, I did find a uh, I did find something I wanted to play that was Baby Yoda adjacent. Here we go. I got a rant from a here we go. (laughs) Hey, guys, it's me. uh, Flakes here. Uh. Yeah, I'm Flakes, I guess. Uh, today, I'm gonna fucking do a rant on Baby Yoda. The stupid fucking baby. Just look at him. Just look at this stupid fucking ugly ass stupid fucking baby. First, he's not even a real fucking baby. He's like 43. Second, motherfucker doesn't pay taxes. He's not even a real baby. He should have to pay taxes. He's, this is fucking bullshit. I hate Baby Yoda so fucking much. Oh my god! I hate Baby Yoda! so i'm gonna try to do my best to provide some context to our listeners whom i love (laughs) russell um so this video is entitled baby yoda rant uh by flakes by flakes flakes has 37 subscribers and apparently flakes is 11 years old maybe eight i don't know that was a child that was a child that was a child that was the entire video (laughs) at 37 seconds and 48 views um and this was from September 10th, so this was even before yeah, yeah. the new season. It's before the controversy. So before the controversy, <laughs> uh, Flakes just had a strong standpoint on Baby Yoda. Dude. How? That's <laughs> insane. When he pulls out the, he should be paying taxes? What? You're 11. <laughs> what taxes have you paid? Hey, Flakes. You're a big dick. <laughs> there you go. No, he, he Yoda's 50. Also, it's not Yoda. It's just a baby, whatever the fuck they are. That's true. He's, he's like, he's like 43. He should be paying to. I love it. <laughs> Here, Kerry, let, let me, let me. Baby. First, he's not even a real fucking baby. He's like 43. Second, motherfucker doesn't pay taxes. He's not even a real baby. You could have to pay taxes. That's a drop. Fucking bullshit. I hate baby Yoda so fucking much. Oh my God. I hate baby Yoda. Dude, this is this did, is like is this young Lewis Black? Did he drop an F bomb at the end of that? He dropped like three F bombs. No, no, I mean I mean the F A G bomb. Oh was that the screech right there? I, I just thought the screech was inaudible screeching, but let's okay, try it. Let's, 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 let's go back see. a little bit. No, so much. Okay. I hate baby. Oh, Yoda so, so much. much. Okay. Yeah. I, the two syllables I was thinking. Yeah. Ooh, we just crossed into some uncharted territory, <laughs> man. <laughs> um, yeah, shit. There we go. That's all the the shit. I had to share that. That's I mean, very good. There, there was a brief moment where like little kids ranting were 
kind of popular and they would get like viral to see that this guy, like nobody had seen this. Love it. Um, also, no, the baby Yoda thing. So his whole video is just him looking at a Google search of Yoda. And uh, I pulled up something I thought you would love, Clark. Uh, somebody got a tattoo. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my. Remind me to put this in the thing, too. Goodness. So Can the, you send this to Randy, yeah, I, yeah, Yeah. So um, the, uh, baby Yoda is so popular <laughs> that it, be- <laughs> it became a meme. And uh, a lot of people pulled the clip where uh, Baby Yoda's drinking a coffee, right? And everybody used on everything. I believe Terrell has a fucking face mask with Baby Yoda drinking a coffee on it. Well, another thing that was very popular in 2020 is White Claw. So, of course, the meme took a turn, and it was uh, Baby Yoda holding a White Claw. Now, when memes get so popular, you get a hipster who will tattoo the meme on his arm and uh, if the tattoo doesn't come out great, are you taking a picture of it to send it? Uh, I mean, this is going to be my new uh, Instagram. Post, okay, cool. Say, <laughs> <laughs> so I got a so new tat. Dude got a new tat. Uh, it is the Yoda looks like upset with the tattoo. Like it's the only. It's yeah. one of those memes that just it's yeah. Picture is worth a thousand words, and you look at it, and this Yoda is not happy to be alive. And I just thought you would get a kick out of that. I didn't think you would take out your phone and post it on Instagram, though. Do it right now. I know. <laughs> okay. I'm, gonna, I'm taking it off the screen. And, uh, yeah, th- I think that's all I got. I do have more clips for later on, which I don't know how that's going to play. But uh, uh, bear with me. Yeah. You got more clips, baby? For later when we're talking about films. Okay. Well, since we're talking about films... Uh-oh. Let's have our friend Randy Stat talk about a film. Maybe he'll talk about a couple of different genre. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I watched several movies this week. Uh, one I've been meaning to see for, uh, I think it came out like last month, uh, but it's called Cajillionaire, uh, which is Miranda July's new film. Have either of you seen anything from Miranda July? Randy, I know her name tangentially as Russell pulls up her IMDb page. Let me take a look here. I'm looking. She oh, acts in a lot of stuff. I've seen, I've seen me and you and everyone we've known. Okay. Um, yeah, I saw, I've seen that one. I've seen the future, but it's been forever since I've seen the future. So oh, Look, you've seen the future, <laughs> brother? <laughs> it's not great. <laughs> oh. um, but yeah, she. What's sorry, that? Randy. Yeah. I just I wanted to jump in there and tell you. One, I was trying to spell this name, and Clark didn't make fun of me. So thank you, Clark. Nice. Two, the only thing I know about this movie is that uh, Robbie Smith texted me and said, can you please watch this movie, please? Oh, cool. Yeah, and I'm like, I have no clue. Okay. So I'm looking forward to this, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, I won't ruin too much of it. But um, uh, yeah, so Miranda July makes uh, movies that are sort of about eccentric weirdos, but they're not like too... Uh, twee. They're not like two Wes Anderson-y. They're kind of dark. Oh, and good. it's a lot about like uh, sort of like outsiders making like genuine connections with like seemingly normal people. Um, so I don't know. I tend to tend to really like uh, her movies that I've seen. Um, so this one stars Evan Rachel Wood, uh, Deborah Winger, Gina Rodriguez, and Richard Jenkins. My man. Yeah. And uh, so... Uh, Essentially, uh, Evan Rachel Wood, um, Richard Jenkins, and Deborah Winger 
they are a family of con artists, um, and they do just these like very small cons. They're uh, sort of, Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, their daughter played by Evan Rachel Wood, they're kind of, uh, you know, training her to just essentially kind of do what they do and just be con artists and live kind of like a, you know, not so great life. And their, uh, their relationship with their daughter isn't very good. Um, yeah. And, uh, so part of the like sort of weird quirkiness of this movie, um, they have like an office that has like, uh, no windows or doors, but it's next door to a soap factory and the soap factory, like, uh, while it's creating soap, like seeps into their walls. So they have to like scrape soap off their walls every once in a while. So it kind of like puts you in this weird, like kind of surreal, um, element. Sorry, Randy, let me back up here. Scrape soap off the walls. <laughs> yeah. There's like, there's like soap bubbles coming into their building. I'm looking at the image there on the, that is available to us and yeah. available to any of you or any of our <laughs> tax paying uh, non baby Yoda listeners. Um, you can go to the international movie database and look at this uh, picture themselves. Yes, yeah. I do see that. It's quite strange. Yeah. It's a cool image, but um, uh, yeah, so they're, you know, doing these, these small cons and then they meet um, Gina Rodriguez's character um, and they kind of bring her in on the, the business and uh, things get weird between, like, the relationships between their family and between this new person. Uh, they kind of, like, do a role play with her, like, being their daughter, like, in front of their daughter, um, which gets super uncomfortable. Um, but, yeah, I uh, don't want to say too much, especially if people are going to check it out. It's a pretty new movie, but um, I don't know. I really dig it. There's Part of it is almost, like, the character's... Um, especially Evan Rachel Wood, like the voice that she, she uses for the character was like, I don't know. It was kind of bugging me a little bit, but then there's like these really like pretty genuine, like human moments that like just brought me back in. So well, overall, what, what I did voice. Yeah. Give us a taste. Uh, it's kind of like a deep Napoleon dynamite or something. Oh, I'm out. <laughs> Boy, maybe not that, that weird, but I don't know. Uh, so yeah, the characterization, um, kind of like bugged me a little bit, but I don't know. Overall, uh, I think it's a really good film. You know, I, w- I want to watch it. I had uh, very little interest in it. A, I didn't know it was Miranda July. I just saw the poster. I'm like, eh, I don't know if this is for me. But yeah. Now, now, you know, you've you've got you got the Evan Rachel Wood. I'm a fan. You got in the Gina Rodriguez. I'm a fan. You, bring, you close it out with a Deborah Winger-Richard Jenkins combo. Sign me up. Let's go. Where is this available? Uh, unfortunately, I think you have to pay $20 to rent it right now. All right. Oh. Well, this is the end of the conversation. <laughs> Thank you so much for your contribution, Randy. I think it was playing at Tanfran a while ago, but um, I don't think it's there anymore. Was it playing at Tanfran? It was, yeah. I remember what? seeing Showtimes for it. I totally want to watch it. Just going through IMDb, the framing in that, I think there's a, a shot where characters are kind of limboing to stay behind the eyeline of a fence. Yeah. And they do like the deep focus John Ford thing where, you know, the subject is in the front and the background. No, mm-hmm. I love it. But I, I don't think I've ever seen a shot like that. And I mean, you're throwing bubbles on the wall. <laughs> I, dude, I'm down. Yeah, it's good that uh, the the people they're avoiding by ducking under their f- the fence is their uh, their neighbor who they actually owe rent to. 
So it's like a bit throughout the movie. They have to like duck so people don't see them. And of course they see them on occasion. Have either of you ever owed rent like that? Like where you're ducking a landlord? No. I don't think I have either, but I've gotten close to like, how am I going to, how am I going to make this money? And I don't know if I could even do it. I think I would just like melt. Like I just fade away into like an anxiety (laughs) puddle or something. But movies always portray it like kind of like a, I don't know, like it's Bill and Ted and we got to get away from the landlord. And it's always like kind of funny. Yeah. To me, it's terrifying though. Like just the social. Or like uh, George Thorogood said in uh, <laughs> One Bourbon, One Scotch and One Beer. The mighty poet, George yes. Thorogood. <laughs> Who's from like fucking Connecticut. Oh, yeah, fuck Connecticut. I'm kidding. All of our listeners live there. So <laughs> I love it. All right. Could you be there? Yep. Right and then... uh you mentioned Robbie Smith texted you about Kajillionaire. Uh, I watched another movie called The Giant after seeing Robbie post about it on Instagram, saying that it is essentially sort of like a a Terrence Malick like horror film for teens. I think is what he said. Whoa! <laughs> um, so it's it's called The Giant. Uh, I believe it came out. It says 2019, but I think it's finally on like on demand. Yeah, uh, it just came out in 2020. What I can tell. Yeah. Uh, directed by David Raboy, uh, stars Raboy, <laughs> stars <laughs> Odessa boy, Young, who was in uh, Shirley. I'm uh, sorry, what was her name? Odessa Young. I can't do the singing. Odessa Young, I wanna be <laughs> with Odessa Young. We also got a Jack Kilmer in this, and a bunch of other people that I'm not familiar with, but now, everyone Jack in Kilmer, it, you know, is, is the son of one Val Kilmer. Indeed. Uh, so. What else was yeah. he? <laughs> uh, I don't remember. Did you see Palo Alto? I did, yeah. That was a Gia Coppola film, I think. Gia Coppola. Yeah. Rest of the saw it, did you? No. I didn't hate it. No, nor. I like yeah, it. Yeah, but would I like it? I like the soundtrack of it. I think you'd like the soundtrack. I don't like it's the got, town, so. It's got a <laughs> bunch of, like, tasty tracks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Speaking of tasty tracks, this movie had none, but it was really good. Um <laughs> The storyline, which I will read from IMDb, uh, when her first love suddenly reappears in a small Georgia town uh, the same night as killings begin, uh, teenage Charlotte is forced to reconcile her past and present uh, traumas, nostalgia, blah, blah, blah. Um, So (laughs) essentially, (laughs) it's super long. So um, and I will say that that is the plot. There are murders happening of a, teenage girls um in the area um but the movie is very much like a mood piece or like a tone poem okay it's just very moody uh the cinematography looks like super super good uh i looked up the dp and it looks like he's only filmed shorts um with this director before so was he don't like pants (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) (laughs) so yeah um it looked super super good uh i i dug the directing quite a bit uh adessa young plays the main character she's uh really solid in it it does have some sort of terrence malicky feel uh with sort of like a whispered like southern uh voiceover um what what do you mean (laughs) 
Uh, I just like the way characters talk. Like, there's a lot of like whispering in Terrence Malick movies, so it kind of feels like oh, a southern I, Terrence Malick I movie. I thought you were talking about like aesthetically. Oh no no no! Okay. Um, no aesthetically, it does kind of look like Terrence Malick at times too. Um, like I said, the cinematography is is really good. Um, but yeah, it's it's super super moody. Um, you can feel like the uh, humid Georgian heat um, and like storms and everything in the movie. Uh, it's kind of a movie about these teenagers um, graduating and sort of their relationships um, as people are going to start, you know, going away and stuff like that. So um, I actually just looked up the Rotten Tomato score and very surprised to see that people are not digging it. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know. I, I really dug it. Robbie really dug it. I think if you're into just like really moody, um, sort of like, drama slash crime movies um i think you'd be be into it where is this uh tomatoing i think at 43 oh randy yeah yeah did this not premiere at uh tiff i think it did yeah Mm, interesting yeah i hadn't heard anything about it until robbie posted about it but i i was super into it so now for our listeners i think this predates this show but uh, now Randy is uh, taking a lot of gaff over the years from one Russell John Fisher no. about his taste in film. <laughs> and I remember when we were all working together um, that Russell, I think you proposed a question to Randy of like, what is a movie that you love that has a low tomato score? Oh, do you remember yeah. this? Yeah, I do. And so now, Randy, I think you finally have a solid uh, contribution. To Randy, that Randy had an answer, though. What was your answer? You remember? Uh, I don't. That was probably like f- five years ago. This was a while ago. Yeah. Uh, what about um, what about the It Follows director um, sophomore film? Oh yes. Uh, oh yeah, I do really, really like that movie. I think that one's like got crushed on Rotten Tomato, right? Yeah. Which- because I just, yeah. What, what am I doing? I don't have the soundboard. I could look that up. What was it called? Like, Under the Silver... Under the Silver Lake, yep. There's a man on the silver lake. Uh, Rotten Tomato, uh, 59. 50, oh. I mean, I guess... This- got, you got to give it to him. It's yeah. under 60. That's a rotty tomato. Really? <laughs> yeah. He's down by 1%. 1%. The 1%. <laughs> <laughs> Blame them, dude. The yeah, 1%. Man. They fucked that movie. Also, uh, Randy, I'm sorry. Again, Randy's not in the room with us, and uh, we tend to talk over him a lot. It's hard to you know, get the little vibe. And I think everybody missed my great bit where I said there was an ASMR VO. I just wanted to bring that back. Oh, up. I didn't hear it. I mean, it was good. <laughs> Randy, you're fucking everything <laughs> up, man. Well, the, the Southern Whispers as a oh, voice right, of write God. Write that right? down. Yeah. Southern Whispers is a good also, name for something. Randy said tone poem. Tone poem? Yeah, tone I've, poem. Is that a thing? Yeah. Oh, that's a thing for sure. 100% oh, I've never heard of it. Have you heard of Tone Loke? He's also a thing. <laughs> Lil Tone Loke? Not Lil Tone <laughs> Lil Tone Poem? <laughs> Lil Tone Poem. <laughs> tone Poem open for Tone Loke. <laughs> He's like, hey, man. <laughs> hey, keep going with this. I got a 15-minute set, but <laughs> that's perfect for opening, but I don't really have a name right now, man. <laughs> I'm thinking Tone Poem. I know that's sort of your territory. Well, tone poem would be good for a rapper. You know, urban tone poem. Raps are tone poems. Exactly. Little tone poem. Beat beat poetry. Also, uh, 
David Raboy, oh, our dude. boy David Raboy, his profile picture on fucking IMDb, dude. He's either cool or a douche. He's got a gold chain yeah. <laughs> and an American Eagle T-shirt. He looks like poor man James Franco. He looks like he's looking like the at the cameraman of like, what the fuck are you doing right now? He looks like the real life alien from uh, Harmony Kareen's masterpiece. Oh. Aileen. Aileen. I ain't from this world, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't realize you walked in the studio, Alien. How's it going? <laughs> I ain't from this world, Joe. All right. Sorry, Randy. We hijacked it there. All good. Um, we're talking about sandwich now. Yeah. Uh, so I also watched a movie called Ham on Rye, which is uh, I watched through the Roxy's virtual cinema. Um, I think it's been up there for several weeks, and I, uh, I pulled the trigger on it this week, uh, for lack of a better term. Uh, directed by Tyler Terramina. Um, this storyline that I will read, I will not abandon midway because it's much shorter. Uh, a bizarre rite of passage at the local deli determines the fate of a generation of teenagers, leading some to escape the suburban town and dooming others to remain. Uh, so this movie is very bizarre. Uh, very offbeat. It kind of feels like a dazed and confused or like a slacker type of movie. Um, yeah, like early Link Ladder movies. Um, there's a lot of really good music in here, like kind of like post-punky, uh, like really catchy music. Um, yeah, and it's a, it's, it's a super weird um, coming-of-age sort of rites of passage movie that kind of subverts the genre and is kind of like a satire. Uh, and I also love this one. Where did you hear about it on the Doughboys? Uh, no, I, <laughs> I, I, uh, just been perusing the Roxy virtual cinema recently and I saw it was on there and read a couple, uh, just like short reviews of it and it sounded interesting and, and weird. And it was definitely both of those things. Uh, I, I definitely like the poster a lot. Also, yeah. the name of the movie is Ham on Rye. One of the re- director, one of the writer's name is burger. <laughs> Ooh. Mm. There's a connection there somewhere. Dude. Yeah. Are we talking MDK? I don't know. I think we're talking Q. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I was like, what? You got it a non drop over there? Yeah, bro. Yeah. So, Randy, of the three, it sounds like you talked about three movies I'd be into. If I'm really going to make an effort to watch one, which, which which one do you think I should watch? Um, I think The Giant might be kind of more your speed, but if lacking plot bugs you a little bit, then maybe not. Uh, but I think probably either that or Kajillionaire. I well, do you- recommend Ham on Rye. It's, it's very cool uh, and very weird. Um, yeah, and it, it just feels like a sort of like a not really like a stoner movie, but it definitely has that like sort of weird Austin vibe. I don't even know where it was filmed, but uh, yeah, it's good. Yeah, totally get what you mean. Um, Austin, Texas or Powers? <laughs> Texas. Okay. Yeah, I don't, you know, The Giant seems like a, a film that would probably get recommended to me over Kajillionaire, but plot doesn't bother me but as long as there's like eye candy and i feel like kajillionaire looks like it's a better film to look at am i wrong there no i think it's more polished it has uh i don't know there's definitely a very distinct uh 
visual language in Kajillionaire. Um, I mean, I think the giant has a pretty distinct visual language as well, but it's, I don't know, it's more darker and a lot moodier. Now, uh, just to be like completely honest, I, it's a bummer because you recommend so many movies that I want to watch and look like they demand attention. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, now that we do the show, you know, like weekly, we've been doing it for like four years. It's kind of like fun and work blend together. Yeah. So I can't. It's hard for me to find the time to watch Kajillionaire. You know what I mean? Like it's hard for me to watch it because I don't want to bring it up right after Randy watched it. Yeah. And I, I know that, we do this all the time. I know. And I'm like, fuck, I want to watch all three of them. Because Randy brings heat. Yeah, and it's kind <laughs> and of I a, try to bring that heat into this house. And you're like, no, it stays cold. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, and uh, you know, I I normally make a bit out of like, oh yeah, Randy's highbrow taste or whatever, but it's a bummer. I really have to make like extra time to watch this shit, but I think I'm going to do it. These ones just look too, too up my alley. And, um, speaking of retreads, I just thought this would be a good, uh, segue into Clark's little film review. We're going to have. So I didn't really watch a whole lot of motion pictures <laughs> this week. In fact, I don't know if I watched any full motion pictures outside of the preparation for this very show. Preparation H, which we do. Preparation H, let me tell you something. If they want to sponsor the show, they very well can because I've had to use it many times. (laughs) Preparation Local H. What? Ooh, that's good. Preparation 4H. No, no. Local H is better. What is Local H? Oh, my God. What is that? You don't know the band Local H? No. Randy? You don't know your Yarl. Nope. That's that's where we don't. Dude, I love it. I finally got a reference. Local H? Local H. Are they a local band? There are two people out there who will get that. No, they were were pretty big in the 90s. they were Yarl? Yeah, they're Yarl. I know a little Yarl. Oh, right, maybe may, we already got too much music to play. Maybe this maybe I know one of their hits. Did they have a hit? Yeah, they had a hit. What was their hit? Uh I, I don't know the name of it. Uh let's see. <laughs> band. Local H band. I'll Google that. Uh Oh, from Zion from nineteen eighty seven, brother? No. You know, this isn't working out. I'll I'll pull it up uh later on. Oh, Randy, he's got a uh Nirvana shirt, but instead of Nirvana, it says Rihanna. <laughs> I hate that. They're still around? I don't know. I don't like this. Yeah. Oh, dude, could we book them? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I could sing the song, but I'm not going to. I don't know the name of it. All right, we'll look at a bad ship. Yeah. But I did realize that I had uh, seen a motion picture, which Randy, I believed, uh, tangentially mentioned in passing. Uh, this mooge, this movie came out. I was going to say movie <laughs> and motion picture at the same time. Mooge, this genre of mooge. Genre uh, came out on the thirtieth of October. If you remember, that is one day before Hollow's Eve, which was on Saturday. This came out on Friday on Netflix. It is called. His House, from director and writer Remy Weeks. A refugee couple makes a harrowing escape from war-torn South Sudan, but then they struggle to adjust to their new life in an English town that has an evil lurking beneath the surface. I don't want to say a whole lot about this movie because I would like you to experience the movie like I did and know nothing and go in blind, um, outside of what that uh, synopsis says. Uh, this movie, um, is, is fucking rough, man. I saw this, I believe I started at 645 in the morning on a work day for, uh, cause I'm a psychopath <laughs> and, 
it's it's a, it was an interesting way to start the day. <laughs> um, it's not quite as a refreshing as it wakes you up, but it's not quite as refreshing as a cup of coffee. Um, you know, yeah, you, you gotta give me something though. I, I, I'm getting there. So this movie is about um, the demons of the past. And how we can't really get rid of them. And, you know, it, it really goes into the struggles um, of refugees and uh, just the heartbreaking journey of what they've had to go through to get where they are. And then once they're there, it's still no fucking picnic. <laughs> and, um, man, it's it really, like, rips your heart out. And um, But to see, you know, this, this couple... Um, trying to acquiesce uh, to uh, their new town and uh, somewhere in England. And uh, one of my favorite scenes is uh, the, the, the guy and the couple, he goes to a local pub and they're watching a soccer game and they're both, uh, they're, they're doing their soccer hooligan chants and he kind of jumps in there and it's, uh, they're startled at first, but then they sort of welcome him in. Because he's just trying to, to to blend, and the wife is not trying to blend so much. Oh. And uh, they start noticing that um, there's some creepy stuff going on in the house, and that they are being haunted by this spirit. The husband is trying to fight it, and the wife is like, I know why it's here. Oh, okay. And, um, and then it goes on from here. Ray, Randy, you also saw this. Yeah, I briefly mentioned it. Um, yeah, it's definitely uh, a bit of a rough movie, but uh, I don't know. It's a good uh, haunted house movie too, in a way. And but with uh, yeah, much much darker things going on. Um, yeah, there was one scene in particular which I don't think it ruins anything, but um, they'll do these sort of like they'll start a shot like in tight, and then they'll kind of like um, pull out kind of slowly. There's a shot where he's like eating at the table. And then it pulls out and then it shows like the wall like got is like disconnected. And then it shows him like floating in the water, um, yeah. which was a really, really interesting shot. Oh, man. That was beautiful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I super dig it and definitely would recommend. But yeah, just uh, just know what you're getting into. One of my favorite horror films of the year. No now, question. How does it line up with my theory of uh, like nuclear family and hauntings? Because the refugee thing would only... It'd only be a different uh, perspective on the same. Russ, I can't, I don't want to answer that question. Okay. Yeah. Uh, because of the story. Now, uh, Birdman. Concerning the nuclear family in this particular scenario. I get it. Uh, Mr. Charlie Birdman, when uh, yes. we would have uh, Overlook Theater screenings and everybody would come over, I used to talk to him a lot about um, looking at paranormal films and how to think about them in like as far as themes or what they're really about and like unraveling the metaphor. And uh, the advice he gave me was always, what's the movie about if you remove the ghost? And uh, that's usually how, you know, th that helped me a lot with my nuclear family look at. Um, that's why uh, when we wrote um, essays for Vanessa Morgan and Dan wrote one about the movie Strays, which is a film about cats taking over a house, it was a ghost movie. We're like, dude, this is a fucking haunted house movie. It had all the same themes, just the you know, the ghosts were cats. And uh, yeah, I'd be interested to see how it applies. But again, now that we've talked about it twice, I just don't know if I'm ever going to watch it. You have to watch this. 
it, Russell, it's one of the best horror films of the year. No, I believe without, without question. And um, I mean, it's it's also got a Doctor Who in it. Oh yeah, yeah I remember you bringing that up. Um, man, but I'll tell you, man, <laughs> it, it sort of wrecked me. Um, yeah, yeah, that's why I didn't watch it that one night. Like when Randy was talking about it, I mentioned. We're like, we sat down and we're like, uh, we want to watch something fun. And we're like, well, his house is there. And they're like, nope. It's not fun. <laughs> Definitely not. It's, uh, it's not a fun movie. Uh, but it's, it's beautiful. It's uh, terrifying. And uh, Remy Wakes, I see you, baby. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, uh, what, we're going to transition over to me? Or did you have another secret film you just remembered? Uh, I mean, we're, we're, you're going to jump in because uh, we'll start with the, the flip-flop we did this I week. got a clip to start with because uh, okay. we did a show trade-off. I want to do yours first. Yes. So on there, it should say, uh, it should be up in the top in the blue color. How to explained? Yep. Here we go. It's kind of like that show Planet Earth, uh, but if it was only in New York and... Uh, David Attenborough was forced to film everything himself. That, uh, I think, is the best way to describe the the, the show That's that great. you and Randy both pushed on me, How To. Also, that clip works as a double, because I was trying to tell my mom about the show. She was watching something on um, HBO, and I went, oh, you know, Clark just, I we literally just left the house, and Clark showed me a show on here called How To. And she went, what's it about? I went, oh, uh... Oh yeah, that that's kind of rough. Like, <laughs> and I, I was like, maybe they have a, I don't know. Go look at it. Maybe we can watch. And they had a trailer. I went, what the fuck is the trailer of this show going to look like? Um, even you and Randy, who have seen the show, I'm sure you haven't watched the trailer, right? No, watch yeah. the trailer because it's all it's him doing a different VO, kind of tackling that problem of like, what is this show? And he straight up talks about like HBO doesn't know how to sell this show. <laughs> So I'm going to do it right now. Yeah. And it opens. Uh, I think the trailer opens with a uh, wide shot of a giant pile of garbage and it says New York. And then it just lingers there for a minute. And then it cuts to all the shit that the show is where, you know, bizarre imagery over a VO. And uh, yeah, no, it's good. And really, that was just a bookmark and an excuse to put it on uh, the show notes. I have it. There hasn't been a show where Randy and I have reached this level of excitement in <laughs> quite some time. Indeed. I, because I think, because I was excited to show it to you. Yeah. Because it, I, this is one of the things where all of us, it, it works for all of us. Because, um, and as Russ, as you said, if, if you had a, a critique about the show, um, it's that it's it's so dense. Yeah, it's and tough. and again, but but that adds to the rewatchability of it mm-hmm. because again, how it's edited and how it's written, every little thing. There's it's just it's very jokey, but it's not like Parks and Recreation jokey. Yeah, well, you know, I I like watching a lot of show with like faux reality. So like Kenny versus Spenny is a weird comparison here, mm-hmm. but the show, they do such a good job of doing, um, they're kind of doing the, what the hell do you call it? Like, uh, Oh God. In pro wrestling, neither of you are going to know this KFAB. They're kind of doing a KFAB thing on, um, Kenny versus Spenny where it's good versus evil, mm-hmm. but they're playing heightened versions of real life. And when you watch Kenny versus Spenny in a not internet era, like when it first came out, it always begs the like, is this real? Like how much of this is real? Are they really these people? Yeah. And I think when you do a Borat or a type of jackass thing and it works, the audience will be sitting there going, who the fuck is John Wilson? Like 
is this really, does he live in that apartment? Yeah. And I find myself doing that. And, uh, it's impossible to try and tell a friend, like, what the fuck is this show about? You can't. So everybody should have that trailer. Just have to experience it. Cute. Also, I don't think it's for everybody. I'm kind of shocked that HBO has it. I disagree. I think it should be for everyone. Yeah, but even with you, like, uh, I give you a lot of shit for being on your phone or cooking dinner in the next room. This show does not play to that. No. Like, not at all. No. Like, you got to be visually tuned in and audible, like, the audio has to play, and you yeah. kind of got to watch the nuanced, like, realistic conversations he has with people. It's really important and it's poignant. It works, dude. It's so good. The first episode, I believe, is all about engaging in small talk. Uh, the second episode, which I've only seen once, but I think it may be my favorite. Uh, more about that in a minute. It's about, all about scaffolding. <laughs> yeah, I haven't watched that one. Uh, the third episode, Randy, what was... Um, uh, what how was to Improve movie? Your Memory. Yes, How to Improve Your Memory. And that goes on uh, quite the tangent where we meet uh-huh. um, quite a guy involved in the uh, grocery game. And then the fourth one. This is this is competing with the scaffolding episode. All right, uh, I've seen this one twice, and well, um, hold on. we got an audio thing. You mentioned you wanted to have it as betting music. Do you want me to just cue it up and turn it down? Yeah. All right. Just give me a thumbs up when you want me to play it. Then I'll have it ready. Well, all right. So yeah. Um. So the title of this episode is um, "How to Cover Your Furniture," and the first, you know, two thirds of the the show is dealing with covering your furniture and it's, it's great. It's fantastic. And by covering, you mean with like upholstery Pla- yes. or like a plastic, plastic wrap. wrap yeah. Uh, and actually the guy who did the plastic wrap on the uh, chair, he's a great guy. So good. The, the, the strength of the show is New Yorkers and the characters that he meets oh. um, even outside of New York. And we're about to talk about one of these characters here in one second. So, uh, and I also, uh, the reason why I love this show is that dude, I would be very interested to know, how much footage he has to shoot. Yep. Because, I mean, it's him going around New York with a camera all the time. It has to be. Yeah. Right? I mean, think about how much B-roll he has to get. Well, Because it, the story matches up to everything. All in-world camera. Especially this show with all the weird candid shots he gets. Oh, my like, God. There's, there's like, there are throwaway lines in this where it's like, Oh, you know, out here walking your pigs, and it's it's a frame of two police, yes. but behind them a girl emerges walking a pig, wa- walking a literal pig. It's it's insane, and it flies by, and it's just like whoop, there it is, yeah. And it's like, wait, can we pause at how good this is? Or you know, you get buddies and they help bring up your chair, and there's one shot of two dorky skinny guys carrying a chair up a very narrow New York hallway, and it's like, wait, are those really his friends? Like, because they don't look like their crew. So we, um, John Wilson is uh, en route trying to uh, find more information and and, uh, get more stuff concerning his uh, covering of his chair uh, to try to protect it from his cat. So there's a lot of animal talk here um, in this episode, which I think Oksana loved all the cat porn in this one. shit was great. Can I tell you this? I don't think I've ever seen a cat throw up. And it's very disturbing. I've lived uh, a life with a lot of cats. That was gross. Yeah. I didn't like the cat puke because I didn't like how how uh, still it was after it hit. <laughs> it didn't move at all. Yeah. It was just, bang. I still think about it. It's, it's gross. I don't like it. Cats fucking suck. 
John Wilson, he goes out of the what out of the train station, and he immediately comes across this giant banner hanging off the side of a truck, and there is a display there of a tiny little baby, um, and this is all an anti foreskin, uh, anti circumcision yeah, there movement. You go. Yep. Uh, what did the guy's shirt say? Free your foreskin. I, I can't remember. They were gold though. They were good. <laughs> and then the episode takes a different turn. And uh, after we talked to that guy, who was a very energetic guy, very charismatic guy, uh, but he was only the appetizer uh, to the main meal, which we were about to see concerning the foreskin, uh, where we meet a guy who created a brand called the TLC Hugger. And uh, John Wilson goes to his uh, headquarters, which is his home. He goes to the basement where this guy has constructed a device uh, to put on the head of your penis to gain your foreskin back. So it, there's several different movements, uh, several different methods which he uh, does to accomplish this, where then he uh, completely uh, removes trowel, uh, shows his penis, and then puts this device on the tip of his penis where he has got a weight going down his pants leg, and then he goes into his bedroom and uh, has a pulley system from the headboard down to his uh, dickhead. And uh, we see that. And but, while he's has his penis hanging there, John Wilson asks if he's seen anything good lately, and uh, he goes on about how much he loved Parasite. That I yeah. cannot explain. I almost pulled his review, but how that it was my favorite moment, not only of the episode, maybe in television. Yeah. Um. But 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 this gentleman also does music, and he created a a entire album. Uh, based off uh, getting a foreskin back. And uh, Russell played this uh, little bit of a tune right here called Grow It Back Again. Now, there's a little bit of an intro. It's fine. The, the head... We'll talk about his device, because I don't think you know how it works. Okay. <laughs> Here's your new baby, and he is perfect as can be. Let's hope his life is not too rough. Why give his genitals cosmetic surgery? He seems quite well endowed. But what guy has enough? I wish my parents had defied conformity. <laughs> Preserve my pleasure part so I could feel it glide. That amputation won't prevent an STD and infants aren't at risk. Why steal my right to decide? I don't want much, just want my foreskin back again. No, it's not TMI, I shared it cause we're friends. <laughs> my parents chose this road, but I'll choose where it ends. Don't I deserve it all? Gonna grow it back again. Yeah, uh, you know he's a creep because that, no, it's not TMI, I shared it because we're friends. Uh, <laughs> no, anyway, it's it. the devices don't attach to the head. Penn and Teller did a bullshit episode on um, circumcision, and they, they went in deep to the pros and cons. Well, you got to get the skin around the head to pull it over the head. So you have to pull, again, I, I apologize for a guest this week. <laughs> But he's a fan. He, he he knows what he's in for. He's from Brooklyn. Uh, he probably knows John. Oh, there you go. <laughs> you're, you're supposed to pull the flaccid skin up and keep it stretched there so that uh, you you generate cellular growth. And basically, you know, our skin's elastic. It's kind of like when you gain weight. Yeah. 
so yeah, the the anchor he put on his on it that would dangle down been, the leg. Well, he had he had a thing that went on the top of his. What well, pulls it up ding over? Ding ding. Yes. Yeah. Because that's how foreskin works. Russell. Yeah, but you were saying attached to the head that wouldn't do anything unless you're trying to stretch There's it. There's something there though. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know. I just he had a helmet on his helmet. It's this a hat is, on a hat. This is a. Uh, topic we shouldn't be joking about and i just want to make sure everybody was properly informed. well we're all circumcised <laughs> are we not randy indeed all right as well, am i and we've uh, made a blood pack to grow it back <laughs> grow it back again I, my favorite is how it ends that song where he talks about he'll gain an inch a year i'll gain an inch a year yeah penn and teller made it sound much easier when yeah. they were talking about it huh. this guy uh he seems like Andy Daly doing a bit. <laughs> That's Except exactly um, what it seems like. Uh, you can check him out, uh, TLC Tugger, uh, on YouTube. <laughs> he currently has uh, 1.8 thousand subscribers. I hope that number goes up. This video only has 868 views uh, from May of this year. Uh, let's do our part and let's get this going. Also, he's got a great uh, shirt, uh, that baseball Henley with the TLC tugger. Oh, he's got a bunch of great shirts. Dude, to see if he's got merch for sale. Uh, Tim and Eric had a jaw uh, a song that was about a Tugger. Well, something Tugger. Um Tim Tim Robbins had uh the TC Tugger. TC Tugger, TC that's tugger. what I was it wasn't yeah, it wasn't Tim and Eric, it was Tim Robbins. So there when they know. said TLC Tugger, I was like, whoa. Because <laughs> it's a TC Tugger. They're gonna you, throw you it on your t shirt. Which product are you more likely to buy? I would. I am would a hundred percent buy merch for the TLC Tugger. In no <laughs> world would I buy that torture device. And that what, what the TC Tugger? What that's a shirt that has like a button on the belly, yeah. so you can pull it out. Yeah, yeah. I I think the TC Tugger would almost work as like an extremely lazy Halloween costume. Yeah. So I'd be down for that. Randy, you're the tiebreaker. <laughs> I can confirm there is merch on his website. Oh, <laughs> all right. I'm I'm buying that shit. There's no question. Randy, uh, I don't know if I would buy one, but I'm looking at them now, and they're they're pretty good. Okay, all right. You will scope it out and get back to us. It's what this website is it TLCTucker.com? Yep. Okay. All right. While you're looking it up, uh, Local H contacted me. They texted me a link, and they they were upset that we didn't know the song. So I'm just gonna play a, a little bit of it. As you both know this song. Oh, yeah, I know this song. Yeah. Clark looks confused. You don't know this? I needed a chorus, maybe. Oh, you'll know from the first lyric, then. What? What? You don't know it? Oh, you're fucking fired, bro. No. Dude, how tight is that? That I had a little... uh, my little bit there was over your head. It's very good. I fucking love it. I'll give it a Too I'll cool for the go. room, bro. Too, dude, I'm too hip. <laughs> I'm too hip to be square for the room, bro. Oh, Huey Lewis over here. Anyway, I got another song that uh, Clark will know. RIP yes. to one of their members. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, that... Uh, it's definitely the residence. 100% <laughs> has to be. It, you know, honestly, we don't know. 
What it definitely is is the intro theme song to a uh, 1988's Monsters TV show. Um, earlier, Randy, this is the one we were talking about where your Twilight Zone love might translate. I really don't think it will, unless you're a fan of the the format, not so much the the storytelling. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Because we're, we're definitely doing more macabre kind of a crypt keeper stuff here uh this came up oh man i don't know if i want to tell this whole story we were playing D and we were talking about the dark elves if you if you're inside baseball here uh good i'm not gonna explain any more than this there's the demon web oh man foreskin feels really good on a baseball tee yeah clark are you gonna buy that i just saw that too it's pretty <laughs> rough can you can you make a note that I need to put a picture of that up there? I'll I'll put a link to the store so people can get it. Also, out. heads up, if you order anything from TLCTugger.com between November 4th and November 16th, there may be delays. Oh, they got a Black Friday sale going yeah. on. <laughs> Wait, is that right? I think I got the dates wrong. Also, the fact that you said heads up was a unfortunate pun. Thank you so much. Um Anyway, uh, yeah, the Dark Elves, they worship Loth. She's the fucking Spider Queen. She lives in the plane called the Demon Web. Or the, the Demon... Yeah, no, that's correct. The plane uh, is just a giant web. It's not super creative. Again, we're talking about Gary Gygax in the 80s. And uh, Chuggy wanted to know, Chuggy who survived the mall shooting, was asking what the plane looked like. And Dan, out of nowhere, Dan, uh, the math mage from the Overlook Theater, referenced a show from the 80s, the one we're talking about now, Monsters, where he said there was an episode where a couple got off an elevator and it opened to just a giant dark room with the web everywhere. And uh, he he, dis- he gave Chuggy that description as what it would look like. And uh, I, was, I was shocked to hear that this show was a thing. And on the rare occasion that somebody recommended something. I went home and I sought it out. Now on Amazon prime, they have all a season one of monsters through IMDb TV, mm-hmm. which, which is free with commercials. And, um, I fucking, I talk shit on uh Randy's movie of the week and to be or not to be, but the commercials are pretty palatable here. We have a 20 minute runtime on this show. I think there's three commercial breaks. They haven't repeated the commercials either. So I've been kind of uh, taking in a lot of monsters recently. Also, if you can't fuck with the commercials, I understand. Almost everything has been uploaded on YouTube. So if you don't mind the the much, much inferior quality on YouTube, which is probably ripped from recordings, it's there. But Amazon has a very clean-looking product. And um, when Clark threw me how-to... I threw him monsters as a uh, normally whenever I put on something and Clark's like half in, he'll just bail on it and he'll leave the room 10 minutes in. And I said, I'll watch how to, but you have to sit through a whole episode of this show. I and said through two. You did. And I had one ready for you because I'd been thinking about this. And uh, episode 16 of season one, they have one called their divided self. And uh, there is a, you know, EIR. And it's about a um, comedy duo that is also a uh, Siamese twin. Yes. I, I'm i <laughs> always hesitant when Siamese twins are involved with any sort of narrative. 
And here's why. Oh, no. I feel like the ceiling is is pretty low. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, where can we go with this? Like, of course, they're gonna. there's going to be arguments there. Like, they always hate each other. Yeah. Of course, they have to. Um, but I like where this went. I, I The fact that they were a sort of a, a classic vaudevillian um, act, mm-hmm. I, I like that aspect of it. And frankly, I really liked the actors in this one. Yeah. Uh, the brothers, uh, one was clearly the more personality and he wanted to, he was the joke guy and the other was played more of the straight guy, but he wasn't a traditional straight man. He, he was sort of, um, the aw shucks guy. Yeah. And like, he's just like, but he was kind of cool too. And, but, they, he, but he, yeah. yeah, he did sort of have that cool. He was the cooler one. Yeah. But the other one was, um, was the more, um, uh, he was the face of the whole enterprise. Although he was the uglier one. He w- yeah. yeah. He and, was the talented and one. And he yeah. admitted that. Yeah. He admitted that too. And uh, I, there were some good jokes in this. Uh, it was fun. And uh, the ending was very stupid. But uh, it was fine. Now, the show is also self-aware enough to lean into comedy every now and then. Yeah. And um, they do a good job of balancing it while also being a horror thing. And um, really, the writing is what got me on this show. So we're dealing with conjoined twins. The premise of this one is that uh, they're dating a girl. And um, she's called in a shrink to help settle their domestic disputes. Yeah. And uh, in the very beginning, she gets fed up and leaves. And we're just there with a um, uh, psychiatrist who's trying to help them. And it's just, it's punchy. There's a lot of jokes here, but they're not what you would expect. And uh, I, I don't know. I can't, I can't recommend this show anymore. Um, the, the one that hooked me, though, was I looked up that episode that Dan mentioned. The one with the spider web thing. Yeah. And it was better than he mentioned. The, the premise of that show is we open, um, the frame has an elevator door. The elevator opens and we have kind of these entrepreneur caricatures of like big Texas industry. We have like a 20 gallon hat on a guy and a pretty girl and they're, uh, yeah, they're honeymooning in New York. But, but there is sort of this rube like, rube like, uh, sort of aesthetic that we're supposed to gather from them. Cause they're like, Oh, we're in a big city now. Yeah. I, it, it was, but it wasn't what we complain about where it's like, we shit on the South because they're no, dumb and racist. No, but they're like, you know, they're clearly, I think that the, the effort was made to be like, they are out of their comfort oh, for zone. Sure, yeah. They're, they're in a different area and they're trying to acquiesce to yeah. this. No, they're being cool. And so when they walk into this, uh, whole floor suite, they comment on everything from why did we go down floors to get here? Uh, it opens up. The room is very dusty. It looks like it's been abandoned. And, um, you know, the wife is concerned, but the husband, he's kind of like, no, no, no. This is just a, you know, bougie New York. This is what they're into. It's a, uh, you know, it's just, oh, we got to play along. And they open the closet and there's a bunch of wedding dresses and tucks. And they're like, she's like, what the hell's this? And he's like, no, no, it's what you do. You just leave it here. When you're like New York elite, you, you don't need it. You just move on. And they move on into the bedroom, which has what looks like a giant waterbed, except there's no, there's no water mattress in it. It's just a giant, clearly obvious uh, spider web. Yeah. And he's like, oh, look at this. We got a silk well, hammock. Not, not a, not a waterbed, just a big hammock. Well, it had the frame of a waterbed, like kind of raised above the ground, but hollow. 
Do you get what you get the picture I'm trying to paint? Yeah, but there, there wasn't a bed. It was just like that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It was it was almost like a sandbox that was empty. Yeah, that's better. And uh, it, it was just a giant web over it. And uh, you know, our uh, leading man here just dives on it. He's like, "Oh, I can't wait!" And then he gets stuck. And um, the bride recalls back to third grade when somebody turned in a paper about spider webs and noted step on, don't step on the cross stitching. That's what's sticky. The spider uses the long thread. I, it was very uh, factual and informative. Yeah. Anyway, this, this short, it's 20 minutes long, right? We're just right to the fucking point. And uh, it's interesting because they hired a booking agent or there's some middleman involved that got them this room. And uh, you, you, it's not quite clear if it was the spider on the internet that did it. Although later on, I, I have a, a theory against that, but I couldn't recommend this more. That was season two. It's episode 27 called A Bond of Silk. And uh, these are just like campy little comic snippets, and they're great. I actually, when I wanted to talk about it last week, I watched one called uh, Monsters Full Gold, Fool's Gold, which, um, oh, damn it. I don't have the clip ready anymore. I wanted to play this one little bit. I don't think I'm going to be able to find it. Anyway, now, this one's about a dude. It's fighting me on that. It wants to play. Oh, you know what? I, no, I'm not going to jump into it. it uh, three construction workers find uh, a natural cave and treasure guarded by a troll. And they, they have this little conversation that I thought encapsulated the show perfectly, but fucking... I restarted my computer. Now, most of these episodes it. are available on YouTube, but the quality is uh, lacking. Now, this one, A Monster's Fool's Gold, uh, is pretty good. Okay. Because the, the spider episode was rough. Wait. Oh, it was. Yeah, it was not clear looking. You know what? Fuck it. Let me just jump in here. I think I, I think I know where we're at. Let me try this. If, if it doesn't work, uh, I'll get 20 lashes. Or, or it's treasure underground. It uses it to lure people into its lair. So? It's okay, what if it is a troll? It's gotta be something trolls are afraid of. There is. Sunlight. An iron can kill him. Now that, that ain't gonna work, Joe. I used mine on the bastard, didn't even feel it. But your pick's new. It's made out of steel. I told you I've had this nearly 30 years. It's good, solid iron. Yeah, we get like weird little folklore like tinges, I don't know. I really like this of show. Of course, trolls don't like sunlight. <laughs> Duh. Yeah, haven't they read the fucking Hobbit? Yeah, trolls, vampires, they're the fucking same. <laughs> no, I at first I thought that was Joey Diaz when the episode. <laughs> no, I'm not joking. When the episode that started, sucker. I went, "Holy shit! I'm gonna have to show Clark this." Joey Diaz is playing a guy fighting a troll, <laughs> but then he came down and yeah, it wasn't. Joey. If they remade it, he a hundred percent would take that role. There is one. About a uh, Republican uh, who, who, oh God, he's a scientist who's in South America who uh, they call a, a Republican um, entrepreneur. So I don't know why they did it, but I, this was back when we were still talking politics, which yeah. is, who cares now? Um, and I threw that on just to see if I could make it draw a line to politics then and politics now. Now we're talking politics. Politics. Polyshore. Dude. Well, he had a special called Polytics. I'll tell you, the lead in this one was not Polly Shore, but it was Meatloaf. And uh, he was playing the scientist that was bringing the dead back to life. Oh. Dude, 
I gotta watch that. He episode. plays it straight. Like he's not over the top. He's not a bat out of hell. And uh it's pretty good. I like Meatloaf. I don't know. This show hasn't disappointed me yet. Actually, there was one I watched last night with my mom about uh, a, a family living in a high rise in New York mm-hmm. and their upstairs neighbor keeps blaring music. So he goes up there and he finds out the dude's living alone with bees. And he's like, the bees like the music. And it's like, it's so, it's such a like Larry David kind of over the top <laughs> caricature. Anyway, uh, that takes a twist that I think, oh man, I don't know. I wouldn't recommend it to Randy. You know what? Randy don't watch this show, but me and Clark will enjoy it and we'll tell you about it more. <laughs> I might give it a shot. Fun. Yeah. All right. So, uh, I think we did it now. I did have outro music. Uh, you did to, have to, some outro to, music. It's, it's on your board though. What is it named? It's called Cricket Creek, which uh, you'll get if you okay. listen to the fucking gotcha. to the interview. All right, so uh, enjoy uh, the interview that we've got for you this week uh, with uh, director, writer, producer Nicholas Santos. Um, Nicholas has got a new film that is available now called "It's It Cuts Deep." Um, he's also a producer on uh, another motion picture that's out pretty recently, available on Amazon Prime, called Uncle Peckerhead, uh, which Randy reviewed a few weeks ago. So, uh, Nicholas, uh, great guy. We're looking forward to any stuff he's got uh, down the road as we're fans of both of these movies. And um, so we had a great talk with him. So going to leave you with a little musical cue taken from the motion picture, Uncle Peckerhead. Here we go. <laughs> Suicide razor blades. Your heart as black as the crow in the midnight sky. You destroyed his nest and set him free. But did you know that crow was me? Well, Nick, uh, where are you calling us from, man? Um, I'm in Brooklyn. How how long you been out there? Um, I've been here for about ten years now. Oh, geez. Yeah. How how is how is uh, how is New York these days? Given the current landscape we're in, I hear mixed reviews. Um, it's just as bad as everyone's. No, it's totally fun. Uh, <laughs> the news calling it like a war zone was just total bullshit. <laughs> I mean, all the all the rich yuppies left, which is nice. So it's actually nicer than it was. So what? They, they all go to the Hamptons. Is that how that <laughs> yeah. works? They all they all flood Long Island now. Pretty much. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. they're probably going to Man- Montana and everywhere. All the Californians are fleeing or to Texas. Is you know Texas almost turned blue I overnight. Mean, yeah. <laughs> you know. So yeah, it's, it's very well possible. But yeah. Uh, so Nick, I see uh, you. You grew up in Cape Cod. What's that like, man? I I, I, um, I, I mean, it's weird because it's like 
it's a ghost town nine months of the year and then just crazy during the summers. Yeah, those uh yeah, that that whole thing and like that that whole area, like Nantucket and all that, you know. But like with the locals, the, the, I mean, because you have to appreciate that you know the money comes during that time. But is there sort of a resentment towards these uh, these uh, what what are they called? The not not snowbirds. Is that what they're called? I have no idea what you're talking. I don't about. know words. <laughs> uh, there's definitely like a yeah. There's definitely a hatred for tourists a little bit. Uh, yeah, I remember we would always we'd always fuck around and give tourists uh, the wrong directions on purpose. <laughs> See, I would do that only because I don't know directions. I'm terrible with directions on the spot. I have given directions, bad directions to to many people. That was just a mistake out of my own ignorance. And um, but to do it knowingly, you know, that, that's a whole separate thing. But yeah, I, I'm just terrible with directions. So bad with directions, Nick, that when I was um, born my uh my mother was in uh labor with me for i think 14 hours because i kept trying to go up her esophagus <laughs> yeah, my yeah I guess that's pretty bad yeah yeah it's real bad real bad i'm 34 years old and uh, <laughs> i can't tell you which direction is north right now i have no idea i feel like the silence there was the most palpable regret i've ever heard from a guest <laughs> <laughs> yeah good nick it's all downhill from here so buckle up excellent <laughs> well nick you've been a, you've been a busy man this year man you got uh two movies that just had released uh pretty ba- uh back to back man yeah we actually um we shot them about six months apart and then yeah they came out three months apart so so what what was that journey like because um uncle peckerhead this was the first uh feature that you worked on right yeah, so Uncle Pecker was the first feature I produced. Um, I had worked as an assistant cameraman on the director's first feature, and this was the second one. Um, okay. And we had made some shorts in between there. So that was a big jump. And then going into It Cuts Deep, I kind of knew what to like avoid and felt a little bit more confident going into that one. So you you and Matthew had a a, a relationship uh, prior to to working uh, on Uncle Peckerhead. Yeah, so I I become friends with him and known him for about like six years before we shot Uncle Peckerhead. We had made a short called Larry Gun Demon in twenty fifteen that did pretty well. That was like a similar kind of gore fest uh, horror comedy. Yeah, we we just um we just watched Uncle Peckerhead this morning and uh yeah, it was great. Uh uh Randy watched it a few weeks ago and uh recommended it to us. So, uh what what was that whole um situation like working on your your um the first feature that you produced? What were the challenges of that? Um that movie that shoot was absolutely insane because it was just a road movie and we were shooting on such a small budget and it had so many locations that it was just constant chaos but i guess the movie kind of feels like constant chaos so it worked out yeah man because uh it, it is ambitious because it is a smaller movie but yeah uh, you know you're, you're dealing with you know a band on the road uh doing their first tour and you've got all these venues that you've got to tie together so you know as you as the producer um you know how how was it negotiating with all those different uh venues and, and getting all these locations and did you have any sort of like 
backups and like uh, people that uh, dipped out the last minute? Um, the locations were one a little bit more smooth. Most of them were through connections that we had with the director. Uh, we shot kind of we shot in New Jersey around where the director is originally from. Uh, so we were able to use a lot of his local connections to find those. Um, and his uncle was like worked for the one of the towns, so he was able to like secure a bunch of the town. Uh, a few of the town was able to secure a bunch of the locations. Yeah. Uh, we didn't really have any locations fall out, but we constantly had extras fall out. So like trying to do these uh, show scenes with like ten people and trying to make it look like there's at least thirty people there was yeah. a big challenge. But I mean, part of that it, when you're you're playing these small punk indie shows, I mean, sometimes it's like that, you know. Yeah, totally. Um, but there was one point. I think the the end show when they're like playing their like reunion show in the basement. We were literally just like begging people on the street <laughs> to try to come into this basement, <laughs> try to like entice them with free pizza and beer. So like a real show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. It's I'm. I find it curious, Nicholas, that you referred to the shoot as chaos or the film, because watching it, I, I would almost place money that it was pulled from a comic book. It seemed like all the shots and the pacing, it, it seemed very confident and like laid out, like you already had material working from. W was this ever a comic at any time? Um, it wasn't a comic. The director had originally saw it as this like Adult Swim. Um, weird, bizarre sitcom, uh, oh. and then we and then I kind of and then we expanded it out to what became the feature version. Um, but basically, he had originally seen it as like Uncle Pecker had living in this punk house with this band. <laughs> yeah. Now I, I relate it to a comic not because of the um, style or the tone, but mostly because a lot of the shots, like a lot of the. Um, transition shots seemed uh like there was a lot of thought put into them like there's there's transitions where somebody will be walking down the stairs and it looks like the camera's almost on the floor looking up and they're really dynamic and they're they're bold and it, it just felt like there had been material where there wasn't like a crew needed or an audio department and it was just you know how to tell the story best visually and i think it, it looks really cool there's a lot of style in this film and i was kind of shocked it was the first uh venture into a feature so yeah i would have lost money on that i would have okay. swore it was a comic thanks uh we shot it with the the dp the two dps that shot the movie we've worked with a bunch of times before so we've all kind of had like a friendship working relationship for a while. Um, so we're all able to kind of work smoothly and fast with each other. We kind of all know what we, there's definitely like a shared vision, which I think adds to that. Dude, it, it have to be because the tone of that movie is so, it could be tedious. Like if, um, if everybody wasn't living in the same universe, I don't think the movie would work, but there's like a subtlety to the humor that everybody has to be on the same page. I don't, it came across really polished. I, I was super impressed. Uh, and again, I think, you know, um, first when Randy recommends a movie, it's usually foreign and highbrow and very stuffy. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> unless I had owned it on Criterion prior and just never watched it, you know, I usually throw it on a queue. And when Randy recommended a movie that was on Amazon Prime, 
I was like, oh, awesome. But I fell into the trap that I fell in with the film you recommended, Clark, The Butt Boy. I'm like, what the hell is Uncle Peckerhead? <laughs> you know, I'm like the title. I'm like, what is this? Some jokey thing where Randy isn't normally a comedy guy. They were actually put out by the same company, too. That, that <laughs> there you go. The toilet titles. I don't know. what I've got to get over it. I guess I got to, I don't know, grow down. <laughs> you got to get over it. We knew they were the right company because we we're like, oh, they just put out a movie called Butt Boy. Of course, they'll put out our movie called Uncle Beckerhead. What the fuck? Now, wow. How crazy is that? They're two genre films that both kind of flirt with horror. Except, honestly, this uh, Uncle Beckerhead is more of a road movie, I would say. Like, there are moments where I'm almost like, are they winking at Green Room right now? Uh, yeah, definitely a little bit. Uh, <laughs> And the director had been in a punk band a while back. And then the guy that played um, Max, the guitarist, is a, he's from the punk scene in Philly um, in a band called The Holy Mess, which me and Matt had made a couple of music videos for. Oh, that's awesome. Now, is it true that every punk band fucking steals gas from parked cars? Because that comes <laughs> up in the film. And I'm just like, is everybody doing that all day? We had to like actually try to figure out. There was a second where we were like, "Wait, is this how you actually siphon gas?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> now, Randy, has Opinions done that? Uh, no, I've never done that with any of my bands, actually. But uh, yeah. theft is definitely a thing on tour when you're a punk band and you make zero dollars at shows. Oh, Randy, what have you stolen? <laughs> uh, just like small things at gas stations, like toothpaste what? and shit like that. But you do the thing where you buy toothpaste. Yeah, just like things that are just like things that you need that you don't want to spend like three dollars on, you know. So what you do is you buy something, uh, you make a purchase, but you also steal at the same time. That way, it's like more incognito. Hold hold on, can we um, tie in the police right now in the ZenCast? (laughs) (laughs) I am the resident cop of the podcast. So what are you, a criminal mastermind? (laughs) Good lord. All right, while we're airing grievances, go ahead, Nicholas. What have you stolen? Uh, <laughs> fuck, I can't think of anything good. Uh, Let's see. Well, neither could Randy. I've stolen uh, four and a half years of both <laughs> Russell and Randy's lives with this show. Um, what else? What else? Um, I, yeah, I mean, I've stolen like, so I used to work at a video store and I used to steal candy and drinks all the time. Oh. Yeah. No big deal. All right. Well, I guess while we're on this topic, I've only stolen pizza, really. When I worked at a pizza place, I would just make it. Like, if I was still cool and working at a round table, you all came in, I'd give you one. I think if you're stealing food, like... It cost them, like, a nickel to make, yeah, and they sold it for $40, whatever. <laughs> but, but Nick, uh, are, are you... Um, were you involved in the music scene at all in your life? That, you know, with... Uh, did, did you have any sort of familiarity with this whole punk, on-the-road lifestyle? Um, I did not. I have always been terrible at playing music since I was a little child. Uh, and I was a big punk fan when I was a kid. So I definitely like was familiar with the scene, but have never been musicianally uh, talented. Well, Nick, I don't mean to, um, you know, tell tales out of school here, but most punk musicians are not great musicians. <laughs> well, I think you would have fit in just fine. Randy, don't take that part. This is true. <laughs> Dude, while we're talking about musicians, 
did the band I was talking to Clark about this and we couldn't pull a name. The band that plays in what looked kind of like a coffee shop and it was almost like screamo kind of, but I feel like they had a better melody than most screamo. The bands. nose ring guy. Yeah, who's singing about being oh, a yeah. pro? Like wh- where where's that song? I want to own it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't think that's actually, there's going to be a record coming out, but I don't think that will be on it. I'm actually, I actually play the bass player in that band. Oh, oh really? <laughs> nice. That's me. That's me getting my head bashed in at the end. <laughs> oh, <laughs> dude, I, I personally think you were in the best band. <laughs> but then again, if I were in that movie, I would have been murdered because it would have been one of the metal heads in that car, oh, which yeah. by the way, I'm very offended and I'm going to work to get this movie shut down. <laughs> See, Russ, you, you love metal exploitation. I think this is a punk exploitation movie, which is why I like it so much. Oh, yeah. No, I, and I mean, honestly. So, that, wh- when am I going to get my American blues uh, folk <laughs> roots music exploitation well, movie? Uncle Peckerhead was kind of like, I, he had that accent. And I was wondering, mm. oh, no, are we going to do Make Fun of the South right now? And they really didn't. And I thought he was actually like, yeah. he wasn't, uh, he called that one dude uh, good looking. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like this is, it's just yeah, a character. Blowjob eyes. Yeah, blowjob. There you go. <laughs> and I don't know. It's such a red flag for me well, whenever they do that. I See, here's here's what I'm wondering because uh, I, I was comforted with the accent because he said his name was Peckerhead. Peckerhead is a very Southern thing to say. Like, Russ, is that something you knew in California? Like you call I, somebody a Peckerhead? Now, what the hell did you call mini golf? Putt-putt. Yeah, I never did that. I've heard people say peckerhead before, though. Okay. So, yeah, it's not totally lost on me. Yeah. What does it mean in the South? What, peckerhead? Yeah. A dickhead. Okay. But is it like a endearing thing? Well, I don't know. I just, I think we use the word pecker more than out here. Okay. <laughs> what, what was the idea be- behind calling him Uncle Peckerhead? Um, I was actually just trying to think about what the origin of it. I think Matt just thought it was funny. <laughs> it is. <laughs> that was literally that was literally it. Uh, yeah, Pecker has great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but Russ, uh, but so so let's transition to um, your first feature. So, um, you know, you y- you do all to this my stuff. First feature. I, I don't I know, know why I said Russ. I was just trying to get you. I'm um, still talking about it. I don't know if it's ever going to happen. Though. So with, I mean, probably not. <laughs> Um, but Nick, so, so let's transition, um, to your feature. Yeah. Um, so everything that you learned, uh, from uncle Peckerhead and, uh, I, it's a, obviously a, a different film and, you know, you're dealing with different themes, but, uh, so what sort of lessons did you learn and, and what sort of prepared you from your experience on uncle Peckerhead and how that translated to you running the show on it cuts deep? Um, I basically just learned how to be a little bit better prepared for, all the random things that will go wrong while you're shooting. Um, obviously learned to never shoot a road movie again and to base everything in one location. Um, and yeah, I think the one, the one location thing really changed the game on it. Cuts deep. Yeah. Why, why is that? Because it just sort of, um, you know, narrows down everything into to one place and you don't have to worry about, it just keeps everything centralized, right? Yeah, it keeps everything centralized. The cast and crew just stays in one place. Um, even when we shot at like different locations, uh, 
like the store and the diner, like all that stuff was still within like 15 minutes of the main location. So um, where did, where did you film it? So we shot, actually, we went back and shot in my hometown in oh, okay. Falmouth, Massachusetts. Yeah. I, I told I, I, when we were watching the film, I told Russ, I was like, I really love this area. I love how it looks. You know, uh, trees are very nice. Oh, cool. <laughs> waiting for you to comment on the snow because now here we are again in a, it cuts deep and we're doing another stylized tricky mood. Like th- there's a mood to this movie and it's kind of like a witty self deprecating humor about relationships. And in, in the peripheral there's horror and for so long, so many people have called for slashers to take place in the snow. And I don't, are, are you a big horror fan, Nicholas? Yeah, I've been a big horror fan since I was a kid. I was kind of afraid to, honestly, for a while in my filmmaking career, I was kind of afraid to make a horror film because I didn't want to fuck it up. Um, but yeah, ever since I, since I was little, we used to like, the old story of like going to Blockbuster and renting a bunch of VHS tapes off the horror section. We would just do that every weekend. What kind of horror fan are you? Are you a big like slasher guy? Um, big slasher guy. Uh, more psychological stuff. Not super into supernatural ghost stories, but yeah, yeah. That's no it because it was tough to read in the film. A lot of people when they come out and their first feature is a horror film and they're a horror guy, it's usually kind of like all right, like we're not reinventing the wheel here and. It's kind of like retread territory, and there's usually a lot of gore, and it's, you know, it's, it, I don't know, they could be cool, it could be terrible. This one is so unique, though. Like, I didn't know what we were getting into here. I knew I was comfortable the minute our lead made a dick joke, though, that I felt like Randy <laughs> or Clark could have made. Yeah. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Of course. Yeah. That's when I opened my heart to this movie. <laughs> fits, in the, uh, fits in the butt boy universe? Ooh, I don't know. Oh, the BBU? <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> I don't know. You know, Butt Boy. Oh man, Butt Boy's got that like kind of whimsy. Or not really a whimsy. There's a satire in the background. This film has like realism there, and it's kind of like the horror in the beginning of the film is. Oh no! I kind of like this guy, and we're about to watch his relationship fall apart, and it it, it kind of put me in a dark drama mood. And uh, again, now this movie's available now, right? Yeah, so it's out on uh, VOD, wherever you're at movies. Okay, well, how, how deep into this do we want to get? Are we going to spoil it or? No, let's do not spoil it. Okay, please. okay. Yeah, because I was going to go into the third act. I mean, I'm, it, I'm honestly fine with spoilers if you guys want to go into it. All right, if, if, if you were the creator, so if you were good, <laughs> then we would <laughs> Oh yeah, I'm fine. I think it's the movie's out. Uh, yeah, I think it's totally fun. Okay, because the thing that rang true to me in this movie is that the the horror and the true monster comes from insecurity. And I know being in a relationship where it's kind of like, oh, I've tricked this girl into you know committing here, and then it's like you it, it, that can linger in the back of your mind, and it's like, oh, she's catching on. Brother, and I've been there. That shit can come out in a real way. And I, when we were going there, I was not expecting it. Now, Nicholas, does this come from like a personal experience or did you just want to explore um, that? 
I definitely like I definitely I mean I definitely drew from past relationships. The whole idea originally came from I was uh preparing to propose to my wife and I was and I just got this like really deep terror and fear uh of committing and then I was like, why don't I just write that into a horror movie and see Hold on now how long were you all dating before? Um so we were dating for a while. We were dating for like six years, seven years. And you were still worried about it. It was still terrible. Yeah, it was like, I was like, oh, I'm going to do this thing. And then I got absolutely terrified. Well, now, Nicholas, I've been in a relationship for a decade now. And I think I've uh, retracted a proposal I've done like three times. Where I'm always like, here, I'm going to do it. But then, dude, it's so weird. Like, clearly, Oksana's screwed. I am a ball and chain. She's not going anywhere. But, dude, every time I would ask her, which is trivial. We talk about it all the time. Yeah. When it when I'm like okay now's the moment, dude, terror, and it's like yeah, and it's the it's so unfound. As a reminder, I am an ordained minister. We can <laughs> lock this up by this afternoon. Yeah, but I, <laughs> what I'm saying is, it's you would think it's right there, and it's like we've talked about it. We've already been like, okay, well, we should do this. Like it's almost trivial in a conversation. Yeah, but then when that moment yeah. happens, there's like a weird existential pressure, and it's like. Dude, I literally have proposed to her and I've been like, nah, this didn't count. This sucked. And it's almost like it came up in the Really? Mo- yeah. You did this? Dude, the moment in this movie when they're at the dinner table and she's psyched on it and kind of like, are we, do- oh, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, and then he retracts. I swear to God, I've lived most of my life from the reaction of movies where you get kind of perspective of a character and they want to say something, but they don't. I kind of live my life counter to that. Where it's like, dude, if I got to say something, I have to do it. Because I've seen how that movie ends. I don't know. Nicholas, so you did get married, though. So I did get married. And I am happily married now. And Congratulations. It worked out for him. Maybe I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's, uh, so in this movie, we kind of jump into their... Uh, the movie opens with the beginning of a vacation. And we don't really have a lot of backstory on how long they've been together. I imagine that... Oh, man, two to five years, maybe. What were you thinking, Clark? I have no idea. Time is a flat circle, man. See, you don't think... Clark is terrified of commitment. That's correct. So did that help or hinder this film for you? Um, Wait, Nate, go ahead. I think it it helped. I mean, maybe it helped me get over my fear, in a way. Um, My wife was a little... Did you always kind of into it I'm sorry, Nick. Again, we don't have uh, a video component going right now, so <laughs> you just gotta power through that stuff when we're talking over each uh, other. So I got married. Uh, I got married. Yeah, six months after we shot this. Actually, oh, okay. I was I was engaged while we shot it, and then yeah, I got married six months later. But yeah, what were you saying? What, what did your wife think of uh, the story? Uh, well, she constantly asked me if I was gonna murder her. <laughs> 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 But now, okay. Which I now, assured her it was fine. Yeah. See, uh, keeping true to the slasher tradition, though, we're, we're oh, man. Again, I, I don't like bringing this all the t- up all the time, but uh, what is it? Carl Jung, the animus, animus thing. It's a um, uh, not fully developed male and a uh, woman coming into her precocious. You, you mean emotionally, not like he, yeah, he, yeah. Is, he has passed the pubescent stage. Yeah, he doesn't okay. have eye stocks coming out of a gotcha. neck hole. Yes. Um, <laughs> no, and uh, I mean, keeping true with it, most slasher films, I mean, 
no, like 90% of them, not the new shit after stream, but they're feminist films. And I felt like this movie ultimately was a, uh, we had our lead female kind of figuring out that she's worth more, which I don't know how I feel about that being in a relationship where I kind of like tricked a girl too. I don't know. Do you feel that in your relationship that you like married up? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important for men to feel that. <laughs> yeah. Aim for the sky, trick them. And then if you, uh, get through the proposal alive. Yeah. I mean, you got to yeah. We're oh, <laughs> what, what were you saying, Nick? Uh, and now she's, and now that she married me, she's stuck with me. Yeah, that's how it works. Yeah, it's legally binding, my friend. That's yeah. <laughs> so was she on set with you? Did she like offer a woman's point of view while writing this script? She definitely gave feedback. She gave feedback on a ton of drafts of the script. Uh, she hates coming on set because she gets bored really easily. Because unless you're the main crew, you're not really doing anything. So she gets really bored and wanders off when she's been on set before. What did she think of our lead, Sam? Uh, oh, she she loves Charles. Uh, no, not the guy. The one you wrote. Yeah, was she t- like bullshit? This girl would have left him like before they even went on this trip. Um, I don't know. It's a good question, actually. Should ask you. <laughs> Now, you're talking to two losers right now. Randy, uh, who's got a white (laughs) collar job, but is still stealing toothpaste, is clearly cooler than us. (laughs) Me and Clark, you know, the one thing we got going for us, I I guess, a good sense of humor. And I I totally related to Sam in this movie. Yeah. Where it's like, you're lucky you can make her laugh because you you got nothing else, man. (laughs) You got to work your strengths. You got to work your strengths. But yeah, but but let's let let's talk about Charles here for a second, Nick. So, um, what exactly in in the whole casting process did he bring to the table that uh, to sort of enhance uh, the character that you wrote uh, on paper? Um, so he's he's definitely the first person I thought of. I knew him originally uh, a few years before we cast the movie. Um, he had a he had a weekly comedy show with these two comedians I went to college with, um, and I knew his. Uh, humor was super de- uh, self-deprecating, and it was definitely that's definitely my humor, and that is definitely in line. Um, what was the comedy? One show? of the main things. Uh, it was called the Dan, Joe, and Charles show. It was with the uh, I don't know if you've seen Joe Parra talks with you, Clark. Mm-mm. You're a that's comedy expert fun. here. <laughs> anyway, yeah. there's these two comedians, uh, Joe Parra and Dan Licata, who I went to college with, who uh, now have a show on Adult Swim. Oh shit! Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut uh, you off. I just I wanted to know about it. Uh, that's all. Good. Uh, and yeah, he just had a similar style of humor. And then when I sent him the script, he was just like, "Fuck yeah, sign me up." So when you get an actor who is a comedian and is self-deprecating, do does he read the script and then does he pile on himself while portraying the role? Yeah, definitely. Uh, it was nice because we would like we would do a bunch of takes to the script and like make sure that we had it and then i would kind of just let them go off and improv and just like go crazy and then we would kind of take whatever like whatever the best jokes i thought out of his improv we would then rework that into the lines of the script that was already there 
Okay, that makes sense. For a minute, I was imagining the Judd Apatow style, which I fucking hate, where you can tell they have like set up punchline, but they shoot 48 different punchlines and just like pick their favorite because it didn't read that way. The conversations in your film felt much, much more natural. And uh, I can totally see improv playing in there. Um, also, Charles Gould, he was in another film that we covered. Um, oh, my God. What the hell? Are we not cats? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I haven't, I haven't actually seen that. Uh, it's great. That was another yeah. Randy Recommends. Yeah. I think it was in, like, my, my top ten that year. It's been a while since that came out. I didn't realize it was the same guy. Yeah, I can't remember who he plays in it. And I'm, I'm like, I feel like that's a face I wouldn't forget. Probably at the party party scene. Well, he, There's a lot of people in that one. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. I just had to. I had to plug. Are we not cats? But uh, so so let's go back to uh, with, with um, asking actors to improvise. Now, obviously, you know Charles has got an uh, comedy and improv background. But like uh, with your other leads, with Quinn and John, uh, were, were they able to do that sort of flexibility with the script as well? Uh, John definitely was uh, able to. He's while he's not a comedian, he like definitely primarily acts in comedies. Yeah, um, and he was he's also really good at improvising. Him and Charles, he actually came as a recommendation from Charles when another actor had dropped out of that role, um, and we did an audition with him and Charles, just like reading together, and I just like let them improv and go crazy, and it was clearly just worked perfectly. They were great. Uh, yeah, the chemistry between those two, because there there certainly was tension. You felt the tension up top, but. There was something about these two that just made them a great pair together on screen. Yeah, totally. Um, and then Quinn just basically Quinn improved a little bit in like the one bedroom scene, but besides that, she basically just stuck to the script and played the straight man against their two crazy ass characters. Now, when you were writing the script, was there ever a version that gave more backstory? Like, I feel like. Um it would be tempting for a director writer to try and fit in some exposition about like the uh, relationships prior to this vacation, especially when dealing with John, because he's always kind of referred to as a bully, but you kind of left it in, in a, um, in a nuanced way where we could kind of apply our own reality to it. And I thought that was great, but I could totally see somebody writing in a flashback of like, Oh, he threw me up against a locker or something. There was a version with like, like maybe three more scenes and like one scene extended where I did try to fit in more exposition and backstory and it just kind of felt boring and like bullshit. So I cut all that stuff out. Um, and then we like would talk, I would talk with like backstory with the actors, but we would never really bring it um, into the said dialogue. And then like the way with Nolan too, I especially wanted it to feel like that, uh, that friend you have that you went to high school with who maybe you don't want to be friends with anymore. But he won't leave you alone. Now, yeah. okay, I, I went to high school out here in uh, the Bay Area, and I I grew up in Daly City, which is like ten minutes away from San Francisco. But I went to high school in the Valley of uh, Pacifica, and it's like a little yokel neighborhood there. And you can't go fucking ten feet without running into somebody who went to the, uh, the high school locally, and. I am, uh, oh man, by nature, I'm shy. And I, God, I felt that 
where it's like, oh, we're in a little <laughs> restaurant and that motherfucker walked in. And it could be anybody. It could be somebody we had a great relationship with. Yeah. But I hate a fucking yeah. stop and chat. And oh. I hate it when people are more <laughs> outgoing than I am. And it's just like, oh, dude, I have done the look at the table or like look away so many times in my life. It happens every time I go home. <laughs> I can't do the stop and chat. I remember I was at Walmart years ago. And there was a girl graduated high school. I've known this girl since the first grade. And she wanted to have a stop and chat. I just wasn't doing it. Dude, they're always bubbly too. Like, yeah. oh, hey, how have you? And yeah. it's like, oh, I'm not ready. Yep. Like, leave me the <laughs> fuck alone. <laughs> and I mean, you know, my high school probably had more people in my graduating class than Clark did in his high school. I graduated with 43 people. So it uh, would have been 44, but uh, one did not graduate. She had to go to summer school, but she's doing fine. Now. I think she's selling furniture. So what's your way? I don't know. Are you a stop and chat guy? No, not, not at all. That's exactly like one of my favorite moments of shooting the movie was working with Charles. Like when he covers his face, when he's walking over to him in the diner, and it's just like a void at all costs. Dude. Yeah. 100%. 100%. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I our resident stop and chatter is Randy Michael Stat. <laughs> <laughs> I stop and then I stop. Actually, I'm I'm not not there for chatting. Your heart, your blood pressure. <laughs> uh, Randy, Randy, did you have a chance to to see this movie? I did. Yeah, yeah, I dug it. I uh, I don't know if I was as um, connected to the main character as you guys were, but I did overall enjoy it. Why not? You're a snarky <laughs> little asshole. Yeah, I, I, can, I can be, I guess. You are every Sunday morning, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I, I think that, um, but uh, Russ, you wanted to go into the third act stuff? Well, I mean, by the third act, again, everybody should watch this film. And if you're ever aspiring to be a director or a writer, I think there's a lot you should pay attention to with the tone here. Also, with horror being in the peripheral, I thought it was pretty interesting by the third act, we reveal that uh, our protagonist is his own antagonist. And, uh, th- you know, we do have a flashback. Aren't we all? No, seriously. <laughs> and it's kind of like, that dude, I am convinced that his buddy Nolan just wanted to be a buddy. Like, he's kind of a prick. Like, the way that we're introduced to him is he's on the side of the road with some guys, and you're like, who the fuck is this bro? Right. And it, I mean, we have a female character and she's jogging and we're like, oh, they're like, I raping this girl. Right. And it's like, man, fuck that dude. Yeah. And then you meet him. And you're like, eh, there's he, not there's nothing here to hate. He's tall, handsome, affable. He's kind of annoyingly upbeat. Annoyingly upbeat. Yeah. Sure. But yeah. it's kind of. Yeah. The, the way that um, Sam kind of like flips the script on himself and his whole world implodes. I don't, Randy, how are you not relating to this? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the thing. Maybe it was too real. Yeah. You know, you know why, Randy? Because it cuts deep. <laughs> <laughs> that's not me clapping. I clap for, for myself. <laughs> Look, I'll, I'll take a victory lap. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just, was this, where did the story come from? Like, Nicholas, from what I know. You seem like you're an active producer. I went into a couple of Reddit threads after watching Uncle Peckerhead, and I saw you yeah. in there doing your work, promoting the store and everything. I'm like, you strike me as a, di- a guy who's together and getting shit done. Yet this movie like- almost would be a 
it's almost like a i don't know how personal is this film um i mean i constantly feel like my worst my own worst enemy so uh is that unusual i i feel like now i everybody might be walking around with that i know clark does randy i think's in denial <laughs> no i definitely am i think i'm not in denial i am my own worst enemy Uh, I might also just be really good at putting on appearances. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It, uh, it, I, I don't know if I've seen this story portrayed before, especially uh, in like leaning to a guy in a jumpsuit with a knife. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. the slashers in the background. And it's almost like I kept getting that there was a weird. Um, oh, like he was in denial. And he had compartmentalized all this bad behavior as almost like it was a separate reality. Like, I'm not quite yeah. sure what was going on when uh, that murder took place in the in the background or how he got away with it or even if it was real. <laughs> uh, I like that, actually. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I shouldn't answer any of that. Um, don't. I mean, you know what I yeah. hate is when people give a definite answer and you kind of kill the enigma. Yeah. So I'm definitely not. I'm just uh, David Lynch. That shit. Keep it locked. He's up. almost aggressively uh, avoiding an answer. That is true. <laughs> He's more interested in giving the weather report <laughs> and charging eighty dollars for a bag of coffee. All right. Well, let's talk about one of my other favorite characters in this film: uh, your house and the location. Now, is this like an Airbnb or is that a chi- an actual childhood home that you grew up in? That is actually my childhood home that I grew up in. That wow. I originally I had a rental house, and I realized I like couldn't get in there, to, like do the full production design like a two weeks before, which I really needed to do. So then I just like convinced my parents to let me take over the house, and then I just redesigned that whole bottom floor. Dude, how was that not your first choice? <laughs> that house. Well, I thought I was like. Yeah, I felt like I was like, oh, no, I'll be like a loser shooting in my parents' house. And then I was like, wait, no, it's perfect location the whole time. Yeah. Dude, it's perfect. You know, and I think the house is an important character because it's clearly too big. And also when you're in a relationship (laughs) and you're arguing about whether or not to have children and you're in this like vacant mammoth of a house. Like clearly, I imagine these people coming from New York and they probably had a little apartment that's snug and they had a lot of shit to do. And then now you're out there snowed in in a big family home talking about whether or not you want to have kids. It's almost like the environment was working against our boy, Sam, but, but he brought him there. Yeah. yeah it, yeah. I don't, Clark, <laughs> am I crazy? You're giving me a look. No, you are crazy. Yeah. But not with that point. Okay, good. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, but so, uh, Nick, did you have everyone stay at the house? Like, uh, how how were the parents with this whole situation? I knew I was waiting. Uh, There's very supportive. Uh, a bunch of the crew stayed at the house, and then we had like three other houses, kind of 15 minutes away, that I put the actors and some of the other crew. Um, and then with the main, with Charles and Quinn, I forced them to live together in the small Airbnb to, to try to like strengthen their. On uh, on screen chemistry. Did and that work? I, put in, I think it worked. I think it did actually work. They like uh, Charles loves to tell the story about how there was one day where I was giving them a ride home, and they like got in like a real couple fight, 
because Charles <laughs> wanted to go home and sleep and she wanted to stay and like hang out longer. And they all they got started getting pissy with each other and I like gave them a ride home where they like refused to talk to each other. It was super awkward. That's adorable. <laughs> I would be terrified if I was directing a film and it's like, they're not talking. No, I would be excited. I was like, it's working. <laughs> and then they made up the next day. But yeah, it was, it was really fun. And then I put Nolan in, like by himself in a whole nother house to like try to keep him as that outsider. Nice. All right. Now I have to talk about my favorite scene. Here we go. Of this movie. Now you had a child actor. Can you, uh, can you talk a little bit about, do you, does everybody remember what I'm talking about? Clark, do you know? Yeah, go ahead. The little screaming kid. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Who was that? He was great. Give him an Emmy or what do we give people now? Oscars? <laughs> Emmys for TV. Give him, give him all the awards. Uh, yeah. He was a random kid. We just like try to find someone local online, which is always a weird scenario when you're trying to cast a child on the internet. <laughs> Indie uh, film looking for small child. So, so <laughs> you say internet. What 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 kind of service is this? A Craigslist? I'm, yeah, that's what I was assuming. <laughs> I think we put an ad up on Craigslist and an ad up on this casting website called Backstage. But I think I think we got him from the actual casting website. And his mom his mom was super chill. She was like, "Yeah, do whatever you want with him." <laughs> we were like, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it starts. Next thing you know, they're doing coke at twelve. <laughs> It's a slippery slope. Also, you know, the dad, or I'm assuming the uh, caretaker with him. What's up with that guy? His hair was almost oh, enough guy. of the character. Yeah. Who was that? Uh, so that's this. Uh, he's like kind of a comedian. Um, he goes by the name Mo Cheeks. His real name's Chris Kazarian. Um, I met him on a music video shoot. My friend's band, my friend's local band at Cape Cod called Crooked Coast. We, I was shoot, I always shoot a bunch of their music videos, and we did this comedy music video. And they're like, we know this great guy named Mo Cheeks, who's super funny. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's a fucking good name. Mo Cheeks is solid. My favorite thing he does, he does these. Uh, you should go follow him on Instagram. He does these uh, yearly calendars where he just dresses up like a psycho in weird scenarios and crazy clothes and then gives them out to all of his friends. Yeah. I'm pulling them up right now. Is his name. No, that's not him. <laughs> let me see what he is on. Oh yeah. Let's see what he is on. And what was the bit you said? Cricket Creek. You shoot music videos for uh, the band's crooked coast is the name of the crooked, band. Cricket Creek. Cricket <laughs> Creek. <laughs> I mean, Cricket Creek's pretty good. though. <laughs> That's a great bluegrass band right there. That's what happens when you're trying to talk. Randy, write, write that down. Crooked <laughs> Coast. All right. Because I want to pull up. I want to see what your music videos look like. Cricket Creek. <laughs> that uh, sounds like thing, right? They're probably playing with spoons, though. God, not I, like <laughs> how are you verbally dyslexic? Oh, dude. It, it cuts deep. <laughs> <laughs> but so... Um, <laughs> Nick, let's talk about so with uh, the the festival circuit. Um, how was it with its cut deep? Did, were you able to have um, any sort of, of uh, physical uh, festival experiences with this? We were not, unfortunately. So we were originally supposed to premiere at Boston Underground on March twenty third. So Jeez. yeah, so it was like right like a week before the premiere fucking COVID happened. Yeah. Uh, 
And then, and so then we started playing, and then we world premiered at, uh, so then we ended up world premiering at Nightstream online. Which we all tuned into, and I'll tell you, uh, we've checked out a few um, different online ventures of the uh, Film Fest world, and I think Nightstream might have been my favorite experience. I think they did a really good job of making something unique. Did you check out their, like, 8-bit Pokemon chat? Oh, yeah, I loved it, yeah. I got, uh, there's... I did put it in a solid two drunken nights on there. Dude, how? <laughs> I mean, and I know we've talked about it on the show before, but again, it's like you're walking around in an 8-bit Game Boy game, and when you get close enough to people, a little video appears over your head, and you can see them and talk to them. It's so... Yeah, I stayed away from that aspect. I Yeah, I'm sure that made you nervous. It's, yes, it did. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. How, how was your experience with Nightstream? Um, it was all right. It's, I mean, with any of these virtual fests, it's kind of weird, and it feels like you're a part of it, but not a part of it. Uh, but I did love that virtual bar. It was definitely a major plus, and probably my favorite part of all the virtual festivals, to be honest. <laughs> Nicholas, would you call yourself a, a shy person? Yeah, definitely. I'm kind of shocked because you, you, you come off kind of timid. I thought we were going to come in here and you were going to have like aviators on and just like cool guys <laughs> out of us. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> the kind of the persona I had. was Oh shit. This guy's going to be fucking LA and he's going to like ride in on his motorcycle and just be like, what's up fucking idiots. And we were going to be like, Oh shit. And oh, instead, man, I wish that was cool. yeah, I, I don't know. Um, well, I hope you feel comfortable talking to us because we are clearly peas in a pod here. And I mean, Clark was scared of eight boy, eight bit video conversation. And uh, you, yeah. you strike me as the type of guy I would meet in the Alamo lobby uh, drinking a beer. I mean, yeah, it definitely took me uh, some uh, liquid courage to hang out on that video chat for a while. But after yeah. a while, you like got used to it. It was weird. I'm not. I'm not scared of seven bit. I'm. At, I'm more scared of seven bit opposed to eight bit, because seven, eight, nine. <laughs> oh man! You're like, God, I'm terrified to know that that's going to go out. Randy, I wish you could see his face right now. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, Nicholas. Don't worry. Nobody listens to this show, <laughs> and uh, Randy's probably going to lose the interview anyway. Except for the head of show business, they listen. <laughs> but um, so. Um, Nick, tell us, uh, what are you working on now? Um, I got a few different scripts uh, I'm working on and trying to shop out right now. One's like a straight... I'm trying to, with the next one, go just like pick a lane and go with a one genre. So I have one that's like a dark comedy about a, a man that becomes terrified of his wife after she kills someone in self-defense. No, we're sticking uh, with the theme here. <laughs> that one, that one's super close to it, cut, Steve. And then I got a, a home invasion horror film. And then um, right now, I said I hate supernatural horror, but I'm actually working on like a ghost story one right now as well that I'm excited about. You know, that's funny because I, whenever we talk to a, a guest, especially when they're a writer director, I always try to think of how I would tell listeners of the show like. This movie's like that. And the only film I could really think that was kind of adjacent to yours was a paranormal horror one. Did do, do you know what I'm talking about? Another Clark? Evil? Yeah. Another Evil. Have you seen that? I have not. It's actually I think the it's the same distributor in Dark Sky Films, uh, I've been meaning to watch it. Dude, Dark Sky puts out some cool shit. Yeah. 
<laughs> I um Nicholas, I highly recommend you check out another evil. It's a um again, I, I keep using this term. Uh, maybe because I'm a little proud of it, but there's there's horror in the peripherals here, and uh, we're we're dealing with a um, another comedian team. Clearly, there's probably a lot of improv, and uh, we jump off the bat with the haunting, and then we discover that uh, you know the true evil in the world is people again, and I I think you'll dig it. Yeah, and it has that uh, it has that guy from What We Do in the Shadows, right? The TV show, Colin Robinson. Yeah. <laughs> You were so proud to pull that name. I love Colin Robinson. And what, I love this that guy. guy uh, He's no Jackie Daytona, but I love Colin Robinson. The other homie, he works with the Duplass brothers all the time, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, what's his name? I don't know. It should be one of these. It does not. Steve Zissis. There we go. That's it. Yeah. All right. <coughs> Well, Nick, uh, thanks so much uh, for hanging in there with us, man. Uh, we appreciate it. We... we uh, Loved everything that you've done so far, man, and we're we're super stoked to uh, keep you on our radar, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I don't know if you guys, I don't know if Oksana told this, but I, I've been a fan of the podcast for a little bit. So I apologize, was, uh, Nick. No, Nicholas. <laughs> Nicholas, I told you we're peas in the Why pod. do you keep calling him Nicholas? It <laughs> <laughs> is his God-given Christian name, but yeah. we're trying to have a laid-back atmosphere. Well, I back because when he didn't show up with aviators on. I was like, oh, maybe I should refer what to him. What is this deal with aviators and motorcycles? <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm shopping for motorcycles Again, right now. And I like a good pair of aviators. I actually need some. I understand. I don't. <laughs> now, we're peas in a pod. You don't have to lie to us. <laughs> <laughs> no, you still listen to the show all the time. Uh, I haven't listened to it as much since COVID hit because I don't have as much time to listen to the podcast. But when I was at work, it stuck in the office. I would listen to you guys all the time. Well, fuck. That warms my heart, and it proves Clark wrong. We clearly have four listeners. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nick, stay in touch, man. Uh, this was great. Yeah. And uh, anytime you want to, uh, you got something else on, you want to promote, anytime, man. We're happy to have you. Awesome. Yeah, Thanks you so got to keep us up with uh, the stuff you're working on and writing. Um, yeah, reach out. We'd love to promote it. And also, sure. I have to tell you, Randy was so happy when, uh, what, did y'all start talking on Twitter? Yeah, I think he yeah. uh, he sent a DM to the Overlook Hour. Yeah, I think Randy screenshot it and sent it to us, and he was like, "Dude, producer a peckerhead." <laughs> and so, yeah, you made Randy's right. day. Yeah, right. it's good yeah. talking to you. I don't know. That's all. 